My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Online, DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night. The fight starts now. With Adam Catterall and Nick Pete. I don't think he's going to get up. On TalkSport, the home of boxing. Welcome to Fight Night. This is TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. This is your home for boxing. The next three hours are dedicated to keeping you up to date with everything that's going on in the world of fight sports and building up towards a bumper weekend next weekend. We have got fight after fight after fight in the World Boxing Super Series. Josh Warrington versus Kid Galahad. And that all then culminates in Tyson Fury's Las Vegas debut. We'll have all the build-up to that over the next three hours and we'll have all the debrief of what Anthony Joshua got up to at Madison Square Garden last weekend. Gareth Day Davis is out and about in the United States of America, so sat alongside me, the one and only man from Fight Disciples. When I say the one and only man, there's two men, but you know what I mean? He claims that he's the one and only man. Nick Pete, how are you? Good evening, sir. Very well, thank you. Yeah, good, good. Mm. Seven days after uh, the biggest shock in recent times. I'm, I'm, I'm stressing recent times because it's not the biggest shock of all times. Buster Douglas taking out Mike Tyson, still the biggest shot, will probably never be surpassed. But it was, for the modern-day fan, mm-hmm. when you're looking at a 20-to-1 underdog chinning the unifying uh, heavyweight champion of the world on his American debut at five weeks' notice, it's quite a big shock. <laughs> Especially when you look like Andy Ruiz Jr. as well. You know, he's uh, he's hardly the picture of athleticism, is he? Mm. And I think that was that's part of the reason why it, it created such a shock. Obviously, industry people know he's had, he's had a ton of amateur fights. Um, I think I think his amateur record's been a bit blown up. I've got to be honest; it's mm. not as accomplished as what people are saying now in the aftermath. But well, they're claiming still that it's, it's, it's 110 wins, five losses. He's an accomplished amateur. Yes, but it's at a level. <laughs> you know, it, it, he never went to any major tournaments or anything like that. So no. you know, let's not get too carried away. It was a massive upset, but you know, Andy Ruiz Jr. is the new. Champion of the world, unified champion Bonkers. of the world. He's not just, and the thing and now he wants it, to see some money. Well, rightfully so, he wants to mm-hmm. see some money, and we're going to get through that in a moment or two. And we're going to talk about all the conspiracy theories that have all popped up uh, in the seven days after uh, Anthony Joshua's defeat. I would like to point out, by the way, that Eddie Hearn has been on Talksport this week. We heard him on the Sports Bar, didn't we, with uh, uh, 
uh, with Andy and Jason uh, saying that everything was fine, nothing went wrong with Cam, everything was tickety-boo, he just got beaten by the bigger man. And we must give AJ an awful amount of credit as well. Post-fight, he's giving credit to Andy Ruiz. His victory says he just wants to get back on the horse, get the rematch sorted, get back in the ring at the back end of the year and reclaim his belts. But that night, last weekend, uh, belongs to the first ever heavyweight Mexican champion. However, we've all got eyes. We can all see. We watched those ring walks. We watched the way Anthony Joshua went about his business on the night. And I'm telling you something now. There was something untoward. Something wasn't as it was that we have seen on previous Anthony Joshua fights. He's normally cool, calm, collected, absolutely milking the audience when he makes his ring walk. You saw it for yourself. You saw that he wasn't 100% Anthony Joshua. That's the most passive I've ever seen him during ring introductions ever. That massage, the way that he was chewing his mouthpiece, all sorts just seemed out of sync and even more sinister in the aftermath of the fight now that we know what went on. Listen, if he goes in there and chins Andy Ruiz, we probably don't make head and a tail of it, do we? Of course. But that's not what happened. He got beat off a guy that a lot of people are saying is a fringe top 10 heavyweight. Correct. And he didn't just get lottery punched. He got beat up Yeah, yeah. for seven rounds before the fight ended. So we've got to look into the reasons as to why. Did he overlook his opponent? Was there something else? And when you go back and look at that ring walk, when you go back and look at the way that he was during the introductions, when you go back and look at the first two rounds with him being so passive in the fight, people are going to start making their own... Conspiracy theories. Of course they are. Especially when when Team AJ and Eddie Hearn are coming out and saying, listen, everything was fine. It was just Andy Ruiz had, had his number on the night. I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. You know, I stand by my assessments but in the build-up to the fight that I don't think Andy Ruiz would be employed as a sparring partner for uh, Anthony Joshua. However, the Anthony Joshua that turned up in New York last Saturday isn't the Anthony Joshua. I've never seen that Anthony Joshua before. None of us have. Mm. No one's seen him behave like that. Be so lack, just a complete lack of aggression. Like there was no predatory instinct about him whatsoever. He behaved like an absolute gentleman at the end because that's what he does. That he is a gentleman. He's a great guy, but. As a competitor, Anthony Joshua, the competitor, was not in New York. He didn't turn up. He, he, he rolled over. He didn't want to continue. He, he didn't want to fight. He, didn't want to be, he wanted to be anywhere but inside the ring, inside Madison Square Garden. So if it's true, and it clearly isn't true, but you know, the, I think the fact that Team AJ and Eddie Hearn are insistent, there was nothing wrong, everything was fine, it was just Andy Ruiz's night. I'm sorry, I, ca- I can't accept that. Some, I don't know why they're trying to pull a wool over our eyes. We can all, we've all got eyes. We can all see Anthony Joshua's not himself. His behaviour inside that ring mm. is not any Anthony Joshua we've ever seen before. With that in mind then, because we're not daft and the fans listening to this aren't daft, they can see with their own eyes. If he isn't 100%, as Anthony says he is, mm-hmm. as Eddie Hearn says he is, as Team AJ says he is, we're saying different, there's something not quite right, or maybe just on that particular night there was something quite not right. You've got to then worry for a rematch, haven't you? Because every, everybody now would look at that, and don't get me wrong, this is, going to be, this is going to be hot. November, December is what they're talking about. They're talking about UK. They're talking about Cardiff Millennium Stadium for this rematch. Yeah. The eyes of the world, the boxing world, will be watching this just to see where Anthony Joshua is at. Was it a fluke the first time around? Obviously, people are going to be absolutely gorging on this. Now, if he is not 100% in the right frame of mind for this fight, you've got to have a little bit of fear for him. Because, okay, there's comparisons to Lennox Lewis and Hassim Reitman. Yeah. 
we know the reasons as to why Lennox Lewis wasn't 100%. Yeah, because I was off the ball. He was a, he was on a movie set messing about with Vladimir Klitschko on Ocean's Eleven. That's yeah. what he was doing. He was he was he's admitted it himself. Charlie Big Potatoes. That's what mm-hmm. he was doing. Took his eye off the ball. Got done. Okay. Yeah. The rematch. He was 100% laser focused. Absolutely. And he took his man out. The difference there though as well. Unlike Buster Douglas, because Buster Douglas, you know, kind of beat Tyson up a bit before he knocked him out. Yeah, but Tyson himself had took his after ball because he was out partying in Blooming Japan. But Rahman, that was a lossy punch. Yes. He just caught Lennox there. Yes. So you, you always thought going into the second fight, well, obviously Lennox is going to be focused this time, be a different story. And it was. Mm-hmm. However, Andy Ruiz, if, it, if, ev- if everything they're saying is true, there was nothing wrong, then Andy Ruiz just beat up. There's nothing wrong with me, Auntie Joshua. Yeah. So why would that change in November or December? Absolutely. This is my point, right? So we're saying that there is something up. They're saying there isn't something up. Yeah. But then I get a little bit worried because we're good pals with Pricey. Mm-hmm. We saw what happened when Pricey went into his fight with Tony Thompson. He ended up getting knocked out. And as he's admitted on various shows that we've done, whether it be for TalkSport or for our own fight disciples, he said, listen, I wasn't in the right state of mind to go into the second fight. But he was rushed back into the second fight because there was momentum behind him at that particular period of time. Yeah. Get in there, get that win sorted, get that rectified. It's a bump in the road and we'll move you on to X, Y and Z. And we all know what happened to Price's career since. Yeah. I fear that for Anthony Joshua because it could go one or two ways. This isn't just him turning up and doing the business at Millennium Stadium and getting his belts nope, back. That was the case. That was supposed to be New York. Absolutely. If he's not, 100%. If he is, if he has just taken his eye off the ball and he's overlooked his opponent and he's been in Miami and he's just been uh, partying and enjoying himself and thinking, oh, I'm just fighting Andrew Ruiz, I'll turn up. Fair enough. But if, if it's more than that, we're in a whole heap of bother, I'll tell you, by the end of the year, mate. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, you know, let's let's give Andy Ruiz credit here. He took that fight at five weeks' notice. What's Andy Ruiz going to be like after the 12-week camp? 12-week of mental preparation. I mean, he'd, be, he'd been in camp. He'd just, he come, off fit. A fi- he'd just come off a fight. He was he? fit. But mental prep- mentally preparing for the fight, he only had five weeks. Exactly, right. yes. He wasn't thinking about Anthony Joshua. And, you know, sometimes that's not a bad thing. You know, we've seen boxers take fights at late notice and produce the biggest moments of their lives yeah. just because they haven't had 12 weeks to think about it. The difference is, this guy now, Andy Ruiz, is going to get 10 times, more than likely 10 times the amount of money he got in New York. So he's set for life. And he was paid all right in New York. Was, you know, <laughs> what did he get in New York? Say 5 million quid. Yeah. Now he's demanding $50 million yeah. uh, for the rematch, certainly if it's in the UK. And, and he deserves every penny. He should he get does. it. He's, he, listen, I never coined the term. I think it was, might have been Eddie Hearn. But Andy Ruiz is the A-side. That's it. <laughs> he is the A-side in these negotiations with Anthony Joshua. Hmm. And if he fights Anthony Joshua at Millennium Stadium, I expect Andy Ruiz to take home the biggest purse out of the two fighters because he's the you know the unified champion. It's cra- it's been a crazy crazy week. What's the best conspiracy theory that you've heard? Because I've I've read some absolute crackers that he was knocked out in sparring and he was concussed. I've heard that one. Yeah, I've heard that uh, he had a panic attack in the changing room. I heard uh, Eddie Hearn on Talksport this week saying, "Why was it?" Because one of the questions that Andy rightfully so put towards Eddie Hearn, "Why was his dad going mad at you at the end of uh, the fight?" And then AJ's going to his dad said, "Dad, I'm the guy that was fighting." Eddie Hearn saying he was upset with the chef. That they they'd had in the in the villa that they were all stopping in. Listen, there's tons. There's yeah. absolutely loads of mad conspiracy theories out there at this. The moment best time. one I heard was th- it wasn't AJ. It was an imposter. <laughs> it was a different. It was guy. a lot like. It was. <laughs> Can you imagine if when he does his autobiography at the end of his career, he said, wasn't me that? <laughs> yeah, he goes full shaggy. Yeah. I tell you what, that should be his ring walk <laughs> for the rematch. Me. For the rematch, one hundred percent. Anthony Joshua should come out uh, shaggy as it wasn't me. <laughs>
<laughs> and then do a job. If he does that, but he punch you on the chin. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't me. me. <laughs> <laughs> you were on the floor. It wasn't me. <laughs> I love it. There are lords out there, and listen. Yeah. The the reason why there's lords out there. I seen one that he was he had to have his right leg amputated, so he was actually on a false leg as was well. Was it? <laughs> that's one People have, maybe that's a little bit OTT. Yeah. That's a little bit far. <laughs> but the reason why they're out there is because people are not blind. Exactly. People watch the fight. Of course. And don't get me wrong, Andy Ruiz landed shots, took Anthony Joshua to pieces. He didn't do a lottery shot. He did the job on him. But Anthony Joshua, before that first bell went was not the typical, normal Anthony Joshua that we see. And it was, when they, his name was being announced, when Andy Ruiz's name was being announced, so passive. It was like, when his name was announced, it was like, oh, hang on a minute, they're talking about me here. Yeah. But and he still he, didn't leave, leave his corner either. Usually no. he walks to the centre of the yeah. ring, and he, and he, like, he, does, he does like a salute to each four sides of the ring, to the arena. Absolutely. He stayed in the corner at Madison Square Garden. It was so weird. Everything about it was so un-Anthony Joshua. That's what that's what baffled. By the end of the second round, he was blowing as if he'd just done ten rounds. Blowing. This is a guy that's surrounded by the best sports science money can buy in the UK. One of the best setups in world boxing. I'd hazard. I'd say. Mm. And yet he's blowing at the end of the second round. Very concerning. It's not the truth. There is something's gone on, and maybe they just don't want us to know about it. But regardless, we should, we should well they better the... rectify it yeah. before November or December. Mm. Otherwise, he's going to be in trouble again. And as many of us have said this week, listen, if something has gone on, at some point, it will come out. Uh, you are listening to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, and Nick Pete. Gareth Day Davis is out and about in the United States. He's been catching up with the likes of Tyson Fury and Ben Davison, George Foreman getting his reaction to the AJ loss. You're going to hear all those interviews on this show, so make sure you stick around. Don't forget as well, next weekend, with Tyson Fury being in action over in the States, here in the UK, there's an absolute ding-dong going on in Yorkshire between Josh Warrington and Kid Galahad. We'll hopefully have those two boys on this show as well for a little bit of a chinwag before they go toe-to-toe first bell uh, next week in Leeds. Do stick with us. There's lots still to come. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Fight night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. It is a pleasure to be with you getting lots of uh, correspondence this week regarding the Anthony Joshua shock defeat uh, to Andy Ruiz Jr. Nick Pete in studio with me. And the man that's normally alongside me is Gareth Day Davis, but he decided not to come home. That's right. He, uh, he's been out in America, obviously, following the fight last week. We've got a fight to uh, follow next week in Las Vegas. Uh, so he's been out and about hoovering up interviews with the likes of Tyson Fury and Ben Davison, which you'll hear later on in the show. But Gareth Day Davis is on the show right now, who was ringside at Madison Square Garden last week. How are you, mate? You good? I'm very well, gents. How are you? We're good. Still a little bit shocked, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, just Se- seven days on, Gareth. Has, has the dust settled for you? Has it settled in the States yet? No, not really. Um, you know, I mean, I've been watching Andy Ruiz on Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Um with that little cherubic Billy Bunter butterbean smiling face, you know. <laughs> um, and, but I, and you know what? He hasn't changed, and he's lovely, and he's a lovely man. Um, and you know, I think he's going to be a lot of fun, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun going into the rematch. But like you guys, um, the adrenaline... I mean, I didn't sleep after the Anthony Joshua-Andy uh, Ruiz fight. The adrenaline in those... 
well, from rounds three to seven was yeah. extraordinary because yeah. you were watching to see if, well, you knew how hurt Joshua was and everyone in the arena was watching to see if he could find one more big right hand to rescue himself from the jaws of defeat, you know? But it wasn't going to happen and it was really shocking. And every time he went down, you know those feelings. You've both been at the, the biggest fights um, when everybody's attention and energy is down towards the ring. And when there's an upset, the energy is just cascading down towards um, the fight itself. And it was a massive shock. And the aftermath and the fallout is enormous. And I'm still picking the bones out of it journalistically as well. And, mm. you know, there are lots of theories. And, you know, one of the things that I, you know, working with William Hill on the Thursday, I was very close with Joshua. And, you know, he, he seemed, you know, we, I did an interview, you know, Cheeky Sport Dave, yeah. Dave's a locker that does it with me. And Joshua seemed great. We saw him, like, his very last interviews he did on the Thursday um, after the press conference, before the weigh-ins the next day, we were we had 20 minutes with him, and he just seemed in absolutely brilliant form. I saw that, Gareth. Um, I, saw, I saw that interview, yeah. and he, he, like you said, he he seemed his normal self. Nothing, nothing in fight week led me to think that something was untoward. It was only on fight night when you were in when you were in the arena because we were, we were had the privilege of watching this on monitors. When you were in the arena. Could, did you feel that something, be, even before the first belt, was maybe slightly amiss? Um, he just seemed still too relaxed. Yeah. If anything, um, you know, it's it's it. You know, I'm in one seat, five rows back. Yeah. Um, I've been a madman for four hours, running around, kind of speaking to everyone, trying to focus. To a, you know, doing a live blog with the Telegraph at the time. You watch Joshua come in. I ran over and filmed him walking in. I've got a little video. I've watched it back. I went over to the corner of where I was sitting on the floor. Yeah. The media were in three sections. I literally filmed him from about three feet away, walking down the corridor and up to the ring. He looked absolutely fine. But then there's that moment when you look back and his gum shield's coming in and out of his mouth. And yeah. he his hands on, his ro- on the ropes. And one of his, it, I, it, it might be Gat Man, I think, massaging the back of his head. Yeah. Ian Gats. We know Ian. Um, or one of the guys from the back room staff, you know, we interviewed them, um, Adam up in the in Sheffield, in Sheffield yeah. during media week. Yeah. Really massaging his head, keeping him focused. I haven't noticed that before, but maybe I'm, we're noticing it afterwards. I don't know, but, yeah. um, it, uh, but it, it was more than anything. It was just when the two of them started to move in the ring that I just thought, um, Joshua, was circling and circling. And I was wondering, what are they doing here? Are they trying to play a long game with, with Ruiz? Are they trying to take this fight mm. longer? Because he didn't seem to... He didn't seem to... I think, for me, he was just nicking a few of the rounds. But He was very passive, know, though, wasn't he? Wasn't Nick said this earlier on. Very Nick, passive. That, that he, was, he, very he wasn't passive. there. There was no aggression there at all. There was no predatory instinct. There was no... You know, killer mentality from him. You know, mm. he, he just seemed to. He just looked to me. Just looked like he wanted to be anywhere but inside that ring, inside MSG, which what, is not like Anthony Joshua. What was it like post fight with him, Gareth? Did you did you manage to catch up with him post fight? Because he see obviously he, he, a lot of people have commented on the way that he reacted. And listen, he's a gentleman, very humble, giving all the credit to Andy Ruiz. What was your take on him after the fight? Yeah, well, just, just, I mean, the the. 
again, I, I, I thought, you know, his, his, he, he was wonderful to Andy Ruiz after Ruiz had won, mm. but it was almost like he was concussed and wasn't really there yeah. Yeah. and was shocked himself. And um, I think you guys have said you, you, said, you, you felt the kind of like the ghost of pressure had lifted from him, a yeah. sense yeah. of relief, and maybe there was. Um, but I, I, I mean, I didn't see him in the end. He didn't come out till 2 a.m. Wow. to talk to the media, and he was there about a minute and a half. By then, I was already writing stuff for uh, follow-ups, you know. I mean, because, you know, I had to react immediately in Absolutely. terms of getting pieces to the Telegraph and so on. And because it was a big shock and it was, you know, it's an enormous story. But I, I think the... Um, um, what, what I what I really noticed about him, I, I mean, I noticed the father angry, Robert. Yeah. Um, and really, it was more. I mean, I was reacting with Sky um, at the time. I was on on the radio with uh, early morning with Georgie Bing and so on. I was just kind of trying to react and piece it together. And and I think more than anything, what was spinning around my head was this is one of the greatest upsets in heavyweight boxing history. And I was searching my mind for. From, the, the thing is, I think there's a lot of things you can piece together. Um, you know, I, I did my investigating Monday and Tuesday, and, and, I, and, and, you know, there is a theory doing the rounds that, you know, he, he was hurt um, sparring with a guy called Joey Dowechko, who's yeah. very similar looking to, to Andy Ruiz, yeah. a very kind of hench, small Heavyweight to fat hurt him. <laughs> fat is the word you're looking for, Gareth. <laughs> fat. Yeah, fat. Um, <laughs> you know, six foot tall. Very, very similar to um, to to Andy Ruiz, and and you know, maybe something in Joshua got spooked in sparring, and maybe there just wasn't enough fear in him. My my instinct is afterwards he overlooked the guy. He knew we've spoken, by the way, with Anthony Joshua before. Hmm in a round table, and I've spoken to him a few times where he learned from Vladimir Klitschko that you're going to lose at some point. And I do think he handled it very well. He didn't handle three rounds in there very well because he didn't, he didn't kind of lean on Ruiz. He should have grabbed him. He could have done a lot of different things. It's easy to say in hindsight. But I do think he got spooked in sparring. I think his confidence got shot. Mm. Maybe he wasn't ready to get back in there. Um, the clip from Andy Ruiz, because he hurt Andy Ruiz. It's a great left hook, wasn't it? Yeah. To put him down. Yeah. And I think he just thought, right, finish. I'm going to finish him here. And once he got wobbled, he did the chicken leg wobble, didn't he? Mm, yeah. Once he got caught. And that was it. He couldn't recover. Um, and he was hurt and wasn't sure where he was. I think when I spoke to Eddie Hearn on the Monday, sorry, on the Sunday, mm. Hearn told me, oh, the grieving process has started now. He's annoyed about losing he wants to get back in the gym. He wants to. He wants the rematch. Um, and, you know, and, and so I was picking up the pieces off. So I, I do think all these things are valid. And I think he probably did get caught. He did underestimate in training. He did underestimate Andy Ruiz. I think his team probably underestimated. I think they went into shock more than anything. I think it's. I think the rematch is dangerous yeah. right away. Um, what conventional boxing wisdom tells you that we know what happened with. Uh, Tony Thompson and David Price twice. Yeah, you just mentioned um, that, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, Muhammad Ali and, and, and um, Muhammad Ali took time to come back. Sorry, um, uh, uh, Joe Frazier took time mm. to come back. Um, different people, George Foreman took time to come back. And when I spoke to George Foreman, I did a column with him on Monday for the Telegraph on Tuesday. He was saying, no, man, 
don't come back. Just slowly build, win the belts back. Do not go straight back in with this guy because that's not the way it helps you mentally. Listen, he may go and blow him out in in Cardiff in October or November, but if there's not something technically that they see that he should do when he goes back in with Andrew Ruiz that means he wins the fight convincingly, I think they should just go sideways and, and build their way towards him because if not, we're going to get the same fight all over again and he's exactly. going to be, he's going to be on tenterhooks and if he loses to Ruiz twice... Mm. Um, I was also with Bob Arum yesterday, and Bob was saying, no, no way do you put him in with the same guy twice. No. Um, not unless you see something utterly technical that can outbox him. And can Joshua outbox Andy Ruiz a second time? We don't actually know. Mm. You might be able to blast him out of there, but will he be able to outbox him? Mm. We just don't know, gents. So it's a fascinating story. It was always going to be big when Joshua lost. Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, the haters have come out of the woodwork. But it, it, it is fascinating, and it will be... You know, George Foreman reckons this will be the making of him. He could be a great champion after this if he comes back strong. But other people think he'll never be the same mentally because his aura of invincibility is gone. But mm. whatever happens, it's a fascinating story. And, and as you'll hear later, you know, Tyson Fury still really applauds what Joshua's done, no matter what happens from here on in, because he's changed his life. And, you know... It's hard for him to see it now, but I'm blathering on. But, you know, it, it's a fascinating situation anyway. Mm. Um, well, that's not the last time that you're going to hear Gareth's voice on the show. He's, he's going out partying now in America. But uh, you're going to hear him catching up with uh, George Foreman uh, in a moment or two. Uh, later on, as he mentioned, he has been catching up with Tyson Fury. You'll hear the whole uh, interview of that. Uh, and you'll also hear from Ben Davison. Uh, it was really coming to his own as a trainer over the last uh, year or so. No doubt about that. I will see you in Las Vegas next week, mate. Take care. Cheers, guys. I'll keep the margaritas chilled. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> Top man. Stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Cattrall. Nick Pete alongside me. And as you've just been hearing... Uh, Gareth A. Davis is out and about in the United States of America catching up with all and sundry. One person that he has been catching up with is the former heavyweight champion, George Foreman. He spoke to Big George uh, after Anthony Joshua had been beaten by Andy Ruiz last weekend. And this is what the champ had to say. Yeah, that was truly an odd fight, but I, I knew Ruiz would be a tough, uh, tough fight. I knew that, but no way did I think he'd be able to get uh, Joshua down like that. Shocked. Um, the big talk will be how the big man recovers now and how he rebuilds and how he grieves and how he comes back. Can he come back? Oh, he'll, be, he'll come back and be even better now because the re realization that you can lose. Sometimes you believe all the hype and you just think you, you just can't lose. I've been in that position. You're on the floor. The greatest thing is the embarrassment. If you can overcome that by way of friends and family, you'll you'll be better. Do you do you does it take a period of grieving after it happens and getting your soul back together? You know what? And that's exactly when you're heavyweight champ of the world, you lose a fight. It's not like you lost a fight. You lose a part of yourself and you gotta go find it. And uh, a lot of times, uh, the, the hardest part is the you, you didn't just you, you you didn't get beat. You just fell for the hype, 
and you know, people say you're so good, you're so good, and you think, well, I've let the people down. But you recapture yourself and understand that, look, I'm an athlete, I gotta go back to the drawing board, and it'll take some time, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be anxious for a quick rematch at all. Is, is there a kind of, it's hard to understand for people, but is there a kind of sense of humiliation in yourself that you perhaps believed the hype, that you thought you were indestructible? That's what, what it is. That's more importantly, you believe the hype. And nobody is that good. I left Africa, didn't know. I went to, uh, I left uh, Zaire and went to Paris and just stayed in a hotel with massages for a week. Then I went on into Hawaii and stayed in a week. And, and I didn't leave. I had my friend with me. And finally, he told me, now, George, it's time to go home. And by the time I got back, there were other headlines. It was no longer about George Foreman and Ali. There was other things, and he needed that time now. So, so is your advice to him to disappear for a while to, and regroup on his own and not be public and, um, and just find himself gonna, again? Yeah, you're going to have to be public because you can't run away from the media. The media makes you. And you can't hide from them. But, and, you know, stay with your friends. If you give an interview, make sure you have your sister, your cousins, your brothers, and people who are really, really there for you, not just those uh, bad weather friends. And then after about a month, you got it together again. Then you find yourself hitting on the punching bag, and you're angry, and you say, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to fix that. But he's a good young champion. He can come back even better. Do you, do you, I mean, it's interesting you say that perhaps not fighting Ruiz immediately in the rematch? No, he doesn't need Ruiz. Ruiz needs him. So, he does not need Ruiz. Ruiz needs Joshua. I say, look, in, in six months, all those belts will be split again. Anthony Joshua was the only one that could keep those things together. Ruiz was not going to be able to keep those belts together at all. In six months, They'll be out there again, and Anthony Joshua in six months can get one of them back, and eventually two of them back. So, so your feeling is that you just get them back one at a time, and you work your way up there again. You are, there you are. And, uh, uh, and, and go back, go start all over. You can't be in any rush. If I can be heavyweight champ of the world 20 years after I lost it, certainly this young man can be in two, and a, in, in two years, He'll have all those belts again. He's a great fighter. He beat some great fighters, and, he's, and uh, the future belongs to him. Did you did you um, have flashbacks when you saw it on Saturday night? Oh yes, indeed. Man, your body isn't great. You're looking good. All the camera shots. You're the big man. All the stuff is about you. What you're gonna do? I was told and asked by people. George, please don't hurt Mohammed. That's how good I felt. Then there I am on the floor. I have to get up. The one thing Anthony Joshua did that I wish if I had all over to do again, he was kind and congratulated Ruiz. I didn't do that to Mohammed. I didn't even tell him congratulations. And I'm sad about that. Did, yeah, did you, did you think he showed himself to be a true sportsman then by, by doing the, that? Now... This is what you call some of the greatest moments in sport. You 
lose your title, you get knocked down twice, they stop the fight, and you go over and put your arms around the guy and congratulate him. You know, I wish I had done that to Mohammed. He withstood all those punches I gave him, the rope-a-dope, but I heard him, and I never told him in that, that night, great fight, champ, you did it. And when I saw Anthony Joshua would do that, I... It was me. It was my chance all over to, to do what I hadn't done, and I'm proud of him for that. Finally, George, do you think one of the things that, um, that there's... Are there kind of mental demons if you've got to go... If he did go in against the same guy again um, in Cardiff in October, are there, are, there, are there mental demons? And that is it too much pressure on him to fight the same no. guy again? No? Not at all. Not at all. Uh... You know, he's been fighting a lot of big guys, especially tall guys recently with uh, Klitschko and all of that. He just didn't, he wasn't prepared for this guy to be down. He spread his legs like the giraffe, and that's when the lions get you. Don't spread your legs. Mm. You gotta, you're tall. He didn't know how to use his height that time. Mm. Mm. Go back to, the, back to the drawing board. I wish I could spend a few weeks with him after he get the set together. Just let him know how to be tall. Do you want me to put in the piece, if he wants to reach out to you, he can reach out? That's right. And I'm always there for those guys because after I saw what he did, after he lost, I'm a bigger fan of his than i ever been before. You are a top man. You are a great man, George. It's wonderful to yeah. speak to you because you are, you are the voice of reason. You've been there. You know. You know? Yeah, and you know, uh, the, the markers of Queensberry... That's what he had on his mind, what Joshua, after he lost his behavior, that's what the Marcus of Queenberry had on his mind. Yes. He said, you know, touch and come out fighting, and then afterwards, you know, you should congratulate. The man, I mean, that was civilization really on display. Champ, it's great to speak to you. Thank you so much indeed. Okay, thank you. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sports here in the UK. The reason why I've said that is because our next guest is Transatlantic. We were very blessed to be in Madison Square Garden a couple of weeks back where we met to see oh, this yes. boy do an absolute number. His next fight is an eliminator. His next fight after that could be for a world title. It is, of course, the one and only. Mr. Tiafimo Lopez, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Listen, listen. before we talk boxing, I've got a bone to pick with you, all right? Now, when we were over in New York City for uh, your last fight at Madison Square Garden on the, uh, on the Carn Crawford undercard, I, I had probably maybe three, four conversations with you, T.O., you know what I mean? We were laughing, joking, we were skipping down meadows, we were having a wonderful time. Never once, never once did you tell me that you were getting married the week after your fight, mate. <laughs> never once, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it was uh three days after my fight, um, and it was just like a type of like an elope wedding type, you know, um, immediate family and everything like that. Um, you know, it was just something um, I didn't want people to know. It was just low. It was just very, um, very um, um, low key to say. Listen, you're a, we, we've spoke about this before. You're a little romantic. It's a hopeless are, romantic. You are isn't a he? proper romantic. <laughs> 
I had to make sure. I had to make sure my face was all good for you know three days after my fight. I had to make sure my face was good. That's it. Don't get I, hit. I had to get. Uh huh. I had to get Eddie Tatley out there real quick. <laughs> Just on because me and Nick were ringside for that fight, and everything about you during this is going to sound like we're blowing smoke all over you this week, mate. But we, it's all we can do because. All fight week, I thought you dominated it. You were fantastic with the media. Yeah. And then, obviously, you've got to go and perform on the night at Madison Square Garden. When the ring walk starts and you're coming out to Frank Sinatra, yes. I'm thinking to myself, this guy owns New York. He's absolutely bossing the gaff. <laughs> yeah, man, thanks. Uh, you know, it was, you know, what better way, you know, New York, New York, Frank Sinatra, you know. So that was something I was thinking about. And I know it's not everybody's, like, hype music. It won't be anybody's hype music, but it is showing, you know. Uh, my first pay-per-view, um, New York, Madison Square Garden, what better way than to play New York, New York, Frank Sinatra? Because if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Ah, there he is. He's it got is. the lines. He's got the lines. Well, Madison Square Garden for T.O., it's knockout central, isn't it? That's what he does. He just goes, walks out and knocks people out at Madison oh. Square Garden. I love it. Of of course, man. Uh, that's what people love, man, is the fact that not only do I come out with these things of celebrations and things, but it's also the devastating knockouts that people come to see. You know, they want to see these type of knockouts, and that's what Teofimo brings to the table, you know. Uh, not only just excitement, but overall, uh, these type of knockouts, man. Um, and you guys should clearly see it's not only with um, right hands and left hooks to the head, but it's also to the body as well that, mm. that can stop them. No, absolutely. You know? and, um, what, one thing as well that I just want to, I, I wanted to bring up, sorry to interrupt you, Tio, as well, after, after that, first of all, you were wearing a killer suit in the, um, yes. in, in, in the press conference. You were looking sharp, my friend. And as myself and Nick were leaving Madison Square Garden, the press conference, we noticed um, that you were buying everybody a pizza in the pizza shop. You know what I mean? You were looking after everybody. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, no, that's just how I am, man. Um, it's a day to, after the fight, you know, it's just to celebrate. I celebrate differently than a lot of, a lot of these uh, fighters. You know, they'll probably go to a club and everything. Me, is more so of just, you know, just giving back or just spending time with my family, you know, that's there. My cousins and everything. We order pizza and um, and things like that, man. That's, I feel like that's better for me. There's, so, there's, know, some, and, uh, there's something weird about seeing uh, a future world champion walking down just outside Madison Square Garden carrying a lot of pizza boxes with his, with his family members on the way back to uh, his hotel room. There's something quite bizarre about seeing that after the fight. <laughs> hey, you, you know what I look at it is the fact that you know um, the thing is you can anybody can be a champion if they work really hard for it, you know, and, and things like that. You know, it'll be tough, but you can become champion. But it's more so of the people's champion that makes you a real champion. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's things like that. You know, you want to interact with people. Um, uh, during fight week, I think I was the only one that was still there in the media. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. I'm not sure. I forget. Uh, I'm not too sure. But I think I was the only one there left. All the fighters just came for like Correct. one or two interviews and they left. Yeah, you're 100% you know, I was right there. Yeah, I was, I was there the whole time um, because at the end of the day, that is my job, you know. It's my job to interact with everyone, to know that who Teofimo is. And, and I have great guys like you, you know, like you guys, to um, put me out there, you know, especially in the U.K. I mean... What bigger way to be in the sport of boxing than to be known in the UK? 
you're flattering us now. No, that, we we, 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 we like were it. raving about T.O. before we went out to New York. Yes. But then when we got to New York and he gave us so much time and then he produced what he did on, on, on the, in the ring on Saturday night as well. That's a superstar. We've come back and we're going, we've just seen... We've just seen the next big superstar, and that's why we rave about it on this show all the time. That's why we like to get you back on this show. But one thing I do want to ask you, Teo, is why am I reading headlines about you talking about the super lightweight division when there's business to take care of in lightweight first? There's huge fights in this lightweight division for you. Oh, I know. It's just the fact that I've been at this weight for six years, and you guys got to know is that I'm still growing. You know, I'm still young. You know, I'm still very, I'm very young. You know, I'm still young, and the fact that my body's, Still developing and it's still fill, it's filling in, you mm-hmm. know, it's filling up. Um, Bob and um, Top Rank and everyone, my father, it, who was my coach, uh, Teofimo Lopez Senior, we all agreed on having two. I think they're gonna have two nutritionists this time around. So they come June 11th. You know, I've been training already. I'm here in Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, but they come. They come June 11th. Uh, the fight the same the same week Tyson Fury fights. Um, and we're just going to go from there. Hopefully they, they know enough to keep me maintained and probably stay at 135 a little bit longer so we could make the mega fight happen between uh, myself and Lomachenko that everybody wants to go out to see, yep. you know, and, and make it for all four belts. So winner is becomes undisputed champion of 135. Uh, that's Bob Aram's goal, and obviously – calling out Loma and everything and all these things, obviously I do want to fight. It's just more so of how I'm, how, how I'm going to feel um, making this weight. That's all it is yeah. you know, for my health. It's is for it... my health because Loma's on his way out, I'm on my way in. Yeah. You know, and, and these are the things that I also have to take for consideration. It's not, I know I'm the best, you know, and I will fight whoever anybody thinks that they're the best. You know, that's who I am. The whole thing is, at 135, it's been getting a little tougher. I used mm. to make 34 and everything. Now I'm making 35 even. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's getting a little. It's getting a little tougher. You know, Loma's going up to 35. I've been at 35. Of that, course. That, that kind of answers my next yeah. question to you because when we were in New York, you were speaking of obviously the route maybe being the WBC, but with that and the way that that has panned out, you would think that that would take slightly longer to get to the WBC shot than it would be by taking this IBF route. So you're saying, at a guess. At the very most, uh, 135 pounds, you could probably get three fights out of it. That's Nakatani next, then Komi for the IBF belt, and then hopefully to unify against Lomachenko at some point, maybe at the start of next year. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm trying to do. You know, um, I want to see how these nutritionists work on me and how they, how everything is, and um, go from there. You know, honestly, it's just more so um, of that. You know, I just want to um, make sure that I'm good and and I can still make this weight. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, I'm a big 135-pounder, a lot of people say it. No, you are. I've stood uh, next to you, mate. I've stood next to you. You're a big boy. You're a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and and things like that. You know, when I fought Eddie Satley, um, you know, my I, my my left leg was cramping up. So that was something, you know, from from dropping so much weight, yeah. you know, and things like that. Hmm. And that's, that's something that I don't want. You know? No, especially absolutely. Fighting, you know, especially, you know, Eddie Satley was ranked, in the top 10, you know, in probably like three of the four um, sanctions, body sanctions for the uh, championships and everything. And still, you know, um, no matter who the opponent is, look what happened to Anthony Joshua, you know, with Andy Ruiz. Yep. I feel like Anthony Joshua wasn't doing, uh, he wasn't feeling good and they should have 
you know, they should have uh, Eddie Hearns and everything, but those are things that that is between themselves, you know. Um, but even that, um, I don't think that Anthony Joshua took Andy Ruiz lightly. I think more so it was just he wasn't okay mentally, mm. you know. And that's, and, but, and that's the biggest thing in the sport, the mental game. You've got to be right between the ears before you can get in the ring. Absolutely, you know. And uh, this route that we're taking, you know, um, the WBC, you know, I feel like, you know, they did what they did and they decided to put Loma against Luke Campbell. You know, Luke Campbell was the mandatory once uh, Mikey vacated it. And honestly, we thought that it would be either Luke, uh, Luke and myself or Luke and so they were saying Devin Haney. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they came with this, and I see why, you know. So we decided um, to go and take another route, uh, make the IBF uh, title eliminator, win against Beltron or Comey, mm-hmm. and then after that, we uh, we um, put all the belts on the line come uh, next year, beginning next year. That's exciting. That's exciting times, man. You just mentioned uh, Haney's name there. Obviously, about his performance, with you being a knockout artist yourself, you must have been impressed with that. Mm. No. Yeah, I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. That's why I asked you. Go on. I would have I would have took out that guy. That guy was a walking corpse. I would have took out that guy in like two rounds. <laughs> this is why we love him. It's this like, is why we love TFE. Nah, yeah, yeah, but you know, um Devin ha- Devin Haney had tweeted out that I was um that I was scared or something like that. Um that I didn't take the WBC route, or or not the route, but I didn't take WBC, yeah. so I could meet him up in the. Because my dude, that's three more fights just to get a mandatory shot yeah. for, the, for the WBC title. I'm in the I'm in the where in the works where I get one more shot and then I get the IBF title. Yep. After the IBF title, I get all four belts. So I love that's that in a matter of three fights instead of doing three fights and having. And then having the mandatory shot for one belt. Is, is that a fight to you that down the line that would interest you though? Not interest. If he can stay, if he can stay undefeated. You know, look, the kid. Um, I feel like he has a little um, jealousy when it comes to fight uh, with me. You know, uh, I think honestly, the kid has, sees that with my. Um, I do have a lot of experience. You know, a lot of people just take uh, discredit because of how many fights I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but look at this. You know, you see the difference. You see. Still female with 13 fights professionally. You see Devin Haney with 20-something fights professionally. And I think he looks at that and he's like, why is nobody really talking about me? Um, even after his fight, supposedly what I've heard is that they kept on asking him about me and he didn't answer anything. Even Eddie Hearns was asking him, like, Teo Fimo, what are you going to say? And he never said anything. So, um, There's the answer. The kid, talks, the kid talks a lot. I mean, if the fight ever, if it ever comes to, it ever comes to, agreements and stuff in a couple of years or whatever it is and people want to see this and it builds up that highly and everything um and if he doesn't lose we make a fight happen for sure listen top man enjoy uh the build-up to this uh world title eliminator fingers crossed uh camp goes well my friend we wait we we do do the job and then we move on to beltran and call me that'll be an absolute crackerjack at uh when you when you think in that september october something like that around that time for that world title shot yeah i think most or um probably november okay either late november probably um yeah either late november or um the beginning of december perfect listen all the best thank you so much for speaking to us Tio. take care and congratulations on the marriage as well ah thank you guys appreciate it thanks Tio. take care mate bye-bye bye Told you.
<laughs> I had to just get a little mention of my boy Devin Haney yeah. in there as for well. Those, for, those, for those that don't know, at the start of the year, we picked uh, two ones to watch. Mine was Tiafima Lopez, yours was Devin Haney. You would love to see them go oh, at it. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. It's going to happen at some point. The two young boys, what are they, 20 and 21 years of age? Yes. It's going to happen at some point. Uh, you are listening uh, to Fight Night on TalkSport. The guests are coming thick and fast. Tiafimo Lopez there. You're going to hear from Tyson Fury, George Foreman. We've got Josh Warrington and Kid Galahad to come as well. Action-packed as ever. This is it. The time has come. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night. With Adam Catterall and Nick Pete. You're better than that. On Talksport, the home of boxing. You listen to Fight Night on Talksport. I hope you are well. It is time uh, to go and speak to a world champion. He's in action next week. He's uh, taking his belt to his hometown and he's taking on uh, a guy in a local derby. It is, of course, Mr. Josh Warrington. How are you, mate? You well? Very well, Adam. How's yourself? Yeah, we're all right, mate. We're ticking over, pal. Listen, before um, we talk about next weekend and what you're going to get up to with Kid Galahad, I just want to congratulate your older brother for becoming the heavyweight champion last week. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you're Andy, yeah. Did I... <laughs> Andy. He's going to be sending me uh, a couple of boxes of Snickers over because he's done the business. <laughs> for, those, for those that don't know why I've referred to that, is because you put out a post absolutely slating your dad. <laughs> Again, yeah. poor man, poor man. No, he, he deserved it, Andy. To be honest, uh, Andy, he deserved it, Adam. To be honest with you, uh, the amount of flock he's given me over years, you know, it's it's good for him because it keeps him on his toes. There is a resemblance there, though, Josh. You know what I mean? Is it? Did he have a little bit of a trip over been to Mexico? Mexico? <laughs> Has he been over there at all? <laughs> what What do you think the resemblance is? The way. <laughs> well, him. <laughs> <laughs> there is a little look there is a little look I'll give you that mm. I think that's why we're able to get away with it to be honest with you but um, he phoned me up to be honest with you on the Sunday afternoon he said yeah listen what have you put on that social media I said why he said I've been walking around Asi and then people have been walking past saying not that Andy <laughs> Brilliant. My fa- listen, my favourite story, my favourite story since uh, I think it was after the uh, the Frampton fight is uh, the R.I.P. Johnny story. That's that, that's the best one. You, you're going to have to tell everybody that. Go for it. Yeah, that's a belter. So, um, so I've, I've got a photographer who uh, is part of the team. He, he, gets, he gets pictures that no one else gets. He gets the, the change room pictures before and after. And um, we was out a few days after Christmas. Obviously, the Frampton fight was close to Christmas. And he put round to my house. He said, I've just left you, he sent me a message saying, I've just left you a little present. Um, thought it'd be nice. So I thought, oh, mate, you didn't have to. Anyway, gets home, little cardboard box, opens it up. It's a picture of me and my old fella in change rooms. And we've got our arms around each other. It's like we're embracing and I'm covered in bruises. And he's got a big smile on his face. But he looks quite, it looks quite emotional in his face. Like it's quite a sentimental piece. Anyway, I text my mate. I said, listen, he's not dead. He's not dead. And uh, in the kitchen, we've got this little uh, this little glass table, and on that table as well is um, is a, car- a candelabra. <laughs> I put I put the picture on there, and it's just stayed there since. Anyway, like since I've uh, become a world champion, I'm pretty posh now. I've got a cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> Big time, Charlie. Now, like <laughs> comes round on a Monday, and um, I I was in while she she was in. She was in the kitchen cleaning this table, and I've walked in at the same time 
And she's looked over at me and kind of like said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But she doesn't know that he's not dead. So you've got a memorial for your dad who's alive and well, walking around, yeah. enjoying himself. Yeah. But you've told yeah. your cleaner that he's popped it. Yeah, we've basically got a shrine for him, yeah. <laughs> If she bumps into him in Tesco, is it bottles gonna go? Yeah, yeah. She'd be terrified. Oh, She'll have an heart attack, he's mate. Dead. He lives. He lives. But yeah, he's, he's been called Johnny all sorts because um, you know, he's been Johnny Caravan, Johnny Kebab, RIP Johnny, Johnny Lottery. We call him Johnny because many years ago we had an open workout and uh, it was in Trinity Centre in Leeds. And obviously, I'm getting a lot of attention because you know it's public workout. People want to get pictures and stuff. Yeah. There was, there's a group of tourists. Some far. Um, I think they were eight, like. Chinese tourists walking past and every time they walk past there's more and more of them and this, this, this gang of them's getting bigger and bigger and they're pointing over at my dad and like smiling and laughing and getting all giddy and worked up with themselves and they're wanting pictures so he's just like got a big smile on his face yeah I, I'm the main man here Josh never mind you I've got my fans here <laughs> and then half an hour later they come back disappointed shouting and, and having go at him they go oh well, well what's wrong with you and one of them's in broken English shouts you're not the real Johnny Vegas. Ever since then, Johnny stuck. <laughs> Johnny Vegas. Brilliant. Oh, I love it. No wonder he's happy about the Andy Ruiz shouting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, mate. I know. I know. <laughs> oh man. Oh, right. Should we stop boxing? It wouldn't. It wouldn't be a Warrington <laughs> fight camp without these stories, That's would it? it this is what the Warrington fight camp's all about. This is it. This is it. Exactly. Listen, how proud? How proud are you going to be next week, mate? Taking that belt uh, in front of your home fans singing the songs that they sing to you on a, on a day-by-day basis, but getting the opportunity to take it back into Leeds and defend it in Leeds? Well, obviously, I won it in Leeds, but um, it was the, at the Ellen Road Stadium. The arena is where I've, I've had a lot of my title fights. Um, you know, I won the British, the Common, uh, the British, the European, and, uh, and the WBC International there. I had eight championship fights there, and I won the final eliminator there. And, um, you know, although, like I say, I only had my, well... Two fights ago, fighting Leeds at the uh, Ellen Road Stadium. It feels like this has been a long time coming. Mm. It's been a year and a half since I last boxed at Leeds Arena, so um, I'm, I am very excited. And in a way, Adam, it could potentially be the last time I fight there for a long time. Because yeah. if I get me on way with this one, then I want to set me my sights on, on on the states. Well, that's not to say that I'm overlooking this one. I know I've got a serious task in hand. Um, you know, he's, he's being gifted this opportunity. And he's going to want to try and grab it with both hands, but it's going to be quite an atmosphere he's walking into mm. because there's not many arenas and, and stadiums what you know create the noise like Leeds does. I think we've got an handful and where they are genuinely fans as well. Like Carl's got a genuine set of fans. When yeah. I talk about Carl, Carl Frampton, he's got a genuine set of fans who follow him all over. And uh, and I have myself, you know, these these guys will turn up to the arena. They're shouting at the barrier. They don't want to be there just because everyone else is there. They're there because they want to see me win. Mm. They don't want to see me win. They want to see me win in style. Mm. And when they, they read the same stuff what you know I read when he's been um, spouting on social media, they take that personal. Yeah. You know, they, when when they're shouting, they're shouting with passion. They're shouting with uh, they're shouting from the heart, and mm. it's quite a cauldron to walk into. From from your point of view for this fight, because like last time. 
you, you were on with me and Nick. We were speaking, obviously, fantastic win against Selby. Unbelievable night against Frampton. And then we were kind of already saying, like, let's get to America. Let's take on the Valdez of this world. Let's take on the Leo Santa Cruz. Let's do Vegas. Let's do New York and all that type of stuff. But then the mandatory situation kicks in and you've got to go and fight Kid Galahad. Does it help, from your point of view, that the, this is local, that there is a little bit of needle in there? Because these are the types of fights that you can think to yourself, oh, it's going to be tough for me to get up to up for this. But because it's local, it seems a little bit easier for you. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah but there is that, obviously. There's the, there's the Yorkshire Derby, obviously. And, uh, you know, he's, he's done his bits of slagging, like, Leeds United off and blah, blah, blah. But to be honest with you, the, the, initial, the initial drive were there when it first got announced. Obviously, because of a bad mouth and him being a drug cheat and this and other. So I had the initial drive there. But then halfway through camp, something changed. Something changed. My mindset changed, Adam, and it won't. It won't because it's oh, it's it, it's Barry from Sheffield who's been carrying on that I need to beat him and I need to train hard. It was the fact of I started thinking this is like 36 minutes away from being where I want to be, to being in the dreamland. And while I talk about that, I'm talking about the big unification fights, yeah. the Valdez, the Santa Cruz's, the Gary Russell Juniors, and this man stood in, in, in front of me. And I'm not looking at him anymore as like, oh yeah, he's, he's, he's Barry from Sheffield, like I say, and um, I need to beat him because he's a rival. I'm just looking at him as a human being stood in my way, and he's not stopping that. And it's as simple as that, you know. When I So in like effect, that, you're kind of approaching it like it's your first world title fight again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you're on a journey, and um, you know you've got to set yourself goals. You've got to set your, you've got to have a vision, and um, like I say, my vision is to unify the division. I genuinely believe I can beat any of the world champions, and I ain't stopping here. I think I've come too far to just you know stop at Barry. So yeah. uh, you know, got to take care of the business and then move on. But like I say, I've, I've had to train just like I always have done and stay focused because. You know, get beat on June fifteenth, and that all stumbles down. It all, uh, it all becomes a, uh, I don't know, it just pops, doesn't it? The bubble pops. Yeah. Well, we'll be, listen, we've seen the probably the biggest bubble in British boxing pop last weekend, didn't we, Josh? With uh, with Anthony Joshua, there was so much talk about: is he going to fight Wilder? Is he going to fight Fury? What's going to come next? And obviously, he goes out there to Madison Square Garden, seemingly takes Andy Ruiz Junior lightly, and, uh, and and pays the ultimate price for it. Really, you know, he's had to, his career has basically been put on hold. For the next six months, um, you yourself—it's it, good to hear you talk like that because yes, there is massive fights out there. Gary Russell Jr. boxed the other week for the first, you know, for his usual annual outing, but looked great again. Uh, you know, there's loads going on right now for you, but first and foremost, you've got to get past Kid Galahad. And let's face it, the kid's undefeated in 26 fights. There is no blueprint to beat him yet that we've seen. So I'm just glad that to hear you talking this week and to hear that you're 100% focused because, listen, we'll all be there in Leeds making all the noise possible. But at the end of the day, even the, even the crowd, the chatter on the night will be, next we're going to Vegas, next we're going to New York, next, are you coming to Vegas? Oh, yeah, we're going to go. And you, it's your job and your dad's job to just make sure, you know what, let's just deal with Kid Galahad and then tomorrow's the next day. No, you're 100% right then. And that's the... How you just describe it is uh, it's like you've got it in your brain and you know what I'm you know what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> that that is completely right. Um, you know the difference being with with AJ is that he's everweight champion. He's just got his rematch clauses in there. He's already a massive superstar. In, and if he came back over here, he'd sell out Wembley, no problem. Mm-hmm. And he's got all this money in the bank. The difference is with the smaller guys like myself. I don't think I'm on that. I've got that luxury. You know, you look at someone like. Um, Carl, when he, Carl Frampton again, 
when he lost against Los Santa Cruz, it was a full year and a half, maybe nearly, nearly close to 20 months before he got another world title shot. You know, lost his, he lost his fight, his rematch with Santa Cruz, mm. and then he didn't box fight for another world title until he boxed me, December 18. Yeah. And uh, he had to go through three hard fights as well in the in the meantime to just get back to, to where he wanted to be. Um, and, and that's the thing. I'm like, I'm on a, I'm on a journey here, and I don't want to be able to delay it for a year or two and because I've got to climb back up and start again. You know, I want to, my next fights to be unification fights. And yeah, the, the kid is unbeaten. And people think, oh yeah, he's just, you know, you, he's not level. And he will have trained his, his, you know, his back wheels off of this. It's, it's a massive opportunity. It's a world title fight. You can never take anyone lightly. It doesn't matter who's in opposite corners. Mm. You can't take lightly. It's his boxing. I mean, I believe that I've got, I've got this fight won already. But that doesn't mean to say that I've, I've given any kind of to eye off the ball or anything like that. My team is not either. Well, well, just on that, has your uh, has your dad been going up to the office with the iPad again? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. He has, he has, he has uh, been informing me. You know, yeah. spending uh, quite a bit of time with his notepad, his uh, his iPad, being the Bielsa. You know, <laughs> his missus queuing outside. How long are you going to be, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, uh, Josh's dad just. Uh, has a little bit of me time in the lavatory Does with his business. iPad. Yeah, studying studying the opponent, hey, studying what's going on. That's how he breaks down world champions. That's it, mate. That's it. That's that, that, That's the technique. Yeah, it breaks summer down up there. Like if you heard before, he, he puts the kettle on, gets a cup of tea, <laughs> he gets he gets a fag behind both ears, <laughs> fag in his mouth, his iPad and his notepad under arm. And then he uh, says to his missus, I'm off to the office. And that's it. <laughs> a cup of tea on the throne. Yeah, I've named that one before. Unreal, unreal. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not joking, right? I mean, I don't want to just away a bit, but I used to have uh, all my life lessons. You know, when you've got a, your first bird and that, you need to yeah. get advice off your dad. He used to say, right, come and have a chat with me. <laughs> no, <laughs> mate. <laughs> yeah. You get in the bath and you listen to dad. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Listen, you enjoy fight week. They're going to come out for you, no doubt, mate, this week. It's going to be absolutely mental. Enjoy uh, next weekend, pal, and we'll uh, we'll catch you in the aftermath, all right? Appreciate that, Adam. Top man. Thanks, Great to Josh. speak to you again, Josh. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you. If that's the first time you've ever heard Josh Warrington, you, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> he's sensational, isn't he? He's, uh, he is one on his Nerves. own. No, Defending his world title in the middle of Leeds in front of a sellout crowd in his home arena. He wants it no tonight. Whatsoever. He wants it tonight. He, he, he's annoyed that he's going to wait for seven days for it. Uh, stick with us because we're going to speak to the guy that he's fighting. Uh, Kid Galahad is on the show in a moment or two. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Nick Pete alongside me. Next weekend, Leeds is the destination. It's a local derby for a world title. Kid Galahad's on the show right now. How are you, mate? You well? I'm good, thank you, mate. Good, thank you very much. Look at this. Relaxed, I calm, know. collected. This is what I like to hear listen, from a world title contender. He's ready, he's chilled. Just chilled out there, aren't you, kid? I am, I am. I'm just in bed, just chilling, mate. They'd be watching my TV series. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I want to um, start our conversation off in uh, a little bit of a, a, a poignant moment before we move on to next week's fight because it is a year uh, since the passing of Brendan Ingle and I know that he's been a, a massive part of, of your life in boxing. Um, are you, I'm, and I'm sure that this is the case, but his memory, I'm sure, is driving you into this fight next weekend. Yeah, it is, you know, uh, first of all, you know, 
to wait for him, I wouldn't be in this position right now. You know, I'd probably be locked up or dead. But you know, um, next week it's not just a bending it's for myself. That's the most important thing, and I'm doing it. You know, um, for myself. You know, and uh, obviously Brendan and Brendan's uh, Brendan's um, Brendan's gonna be on my mind. Talk to me about the things that he did for that local community, mate, because you just mentioned something there. You were a young lad when you went up to that gym and obviously he he was more than just a boxing trainer, wasn't he? He was a guy that really, yeah. really cared about his local community and especially the young people of his local community and trying to show them a better way. Yeah, 100%. You know, he was like a mentor, he was a father to people. You know, he, he was a counsellor. He wasn't just a trainer, you know. He, people used to go into the gym and just ask him for advice. And uh, he's made a lot of champions, but people don't realise how many people, you know, he's kept out of jail, kept yeah. out of trouble, kept him on a straight, you know, straight path. And that's, from a society point of view, even more important than making world champions, no question about that. And regarding one of those oh, world champions, because yeah. um, I'm led to believe that you had a bit of a chance meeting in a mosque with a certain Nazim Ahmed, one of my favourite fighters of all times, who pushed yeah. you down that route to go and say, listen, if you want to yeah. be a world champion, he's the man to go and speak to. Go and speak to Brendan Ingle. <laughs> that's exactly what happened, you know. I see Naz says, Naz, I want to be a champion. He says, You want to be a champion like me? He says, You need to go and find this guy called Brendan Ingle. And uh, I went looking for him, found the gym, and the rest is history. Speak, wow. Speaking of the history of the Winkle Bank gym, there's been some serious talent coming through there, Nick, hasn't there? You know what I mean? I mean, we could sit here all day listed off world champions, but as Barry was just saying there, the society element of that gym is is massive over in Sheffield. Huge, absolutely huge, yeah. And, and you know, it's 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 not just in Sheffield. I don't think boxing coaches and boxing gyms up and down the country get the get the love and the respect they deserve for the amount of people that they do keep out of prison and the amount of lives they do actually save. Mm. You know, and obviously, for every for every Winco Bank gym, there's there's a dozen gyms that would never ever be able to achieve those kind of standards. But I think what separates this gym out is what the Ingle family have done, Brendan in particular is taking kids, working class lads, and just this style of boxing, it changed the generation, didn't it? You know, you, you can see a, a Winkerbank style boxer a mile away just yeah. because of the style that they've got. And, and, you know, obviously Barry will hopefully bring that into the ring in Leeds next week for what's obviously the greatest moments of his sport and career. But that lineage of that gym, of those world champions in the past... You know, Barry takes that into the ring with him, mm. and he should be proud of that, and I hope he is proud of that. I'm sure you are, aren't you, mate? Of course I am. Yeah. Of course I am. Regarding... My brother always said, the name of the game is to hit and not get hit. Yep. There you go. And, you know, you don't want to want to be leaving boxing, you know, with, you know, with the... Can't be, can't be able to speak properly, or, mm. you know, you've got a twitch, or, you know, you want to be leaving boxing the same way you come in. You want to make sure all your faculties, you know... You've got everything. That's a good point, though, you've made, Barry. You know, obviously, <clears throat> that is fundamentally what boxing's all about. You get in and you don't get hit. However, next Saturday, you're going in with a guy that... Listen, I'll hold my hand up. I thought Lee Selby had outboxed him. He couldn't. I thought Carl Frampton would outbox him, and he couldn't. So you're going in there with a guy that sets a tempo. It, it, you know, have you got a game plan? Because... Outboxing him, it seems like nobody can outbox him. So how how do you beat him? How do you beat Josh Warrington, obviously, without giving away your game plan? Listen, when I get in there, you know, uh, I'm going to go in there and see how I feel. And listen, anyone can anyone can be beaten. You know, I just think, you know, Carl Frampton, um, 
he's not looked the best, has he? You know, he he he's not been the same Carl Frampton that beat you know Carl uh, the same Carl Frampton that beat the Santa Cruz in the first fight. You know, he's not looked the best, but you know, but you can't. Can't you can't take that away from Josh Lawrence? You know he went in there and did what he had to do, and he got the win. And uh, but listen, I know Josh Lawrence, and I just I personally believe you know I just think people underestimated him. I think you know uh, they looked at him, and they just they thought you know he can't punch, you know he's fit, he's tough, but he's not a good boxer, you know. And I believe I'm not going to underestimate him, and that's going to be a difference. We spoke to a lot of fighters. Um recently, Barry, who have spent time out of the sport through whatever reason. Obviously, you've had that on you through through the drugs ban. How do you look yeah. back at that particular period now and how did you use that to fuel the fire once again in order to land yourself at this opportunity next weekend? I think, listen, things happen in life and everyone has the roller coasters in life and it's just trying to keep on, you know, trying to keep focused and, and do, you know, keep on the right path. And listen, when I, when I got banned, I went over to America. I went far and I kept on training every day, twice a day. You know, I just thought when I get back, I'm going to make sure, you know, I'm I'm more than ready. I've improved. And um, I believe I have. You know, most fighters would have, you know, if they, if they got a ban, so, you know, I was out for 18 months, they would have been swanning around and going on holiday. And I didn't do none of that, you know, training be even harder. And I kept focused, and I went I went sparring all over America. I I, heard, I think I heard you give an interview maybe about a year ago. Talk about appreciating the sport as well more. You know, you, like you just said there, you obviously are a dedicated fella. You've gone out there and learned some new skills to to round your game further. But from a psychological point of view, the the not being able to do something that you love surely makes you appreciate it even more so when you are allowed to do it. A hundred percent. You know. Uh... Listen, when when you know, obviously when you can't fight as a fight, that's the main thing is to fight. You know, the training's good and everything, but we all love to fight. And you know, when you can't do that, you know, it, it was hard. But listen, what makes uh, what makes champions in it at the end of the day? Mm. You know, where when it gets tough, you got you got to keep on going, aren't you? Mm, absolutely. Listen, Barry, when you when you visualise this fight, I'm sure you have, I'm sure you've played the fight out a million times in your mind already and we've still got a week to go. How does it end? Obviously, it ends with your arm raised in your mind, but how does it end? Do you think this fight goes early? Do you think this is a judges? Do you think it's going to be a war? Do you think it's going to be a, a, no, a listen, masterclass? It's going to go in there. It's going to, it's, listen, Josh Warrington's good at what he does and uh, he's a lot better than people think he is. Well, now they're all raving about him, mm. making out like he's the next Ricky Atten, next Mike Tyson. But, you know, just before his last two fights, no one gave him no credit. And, you know, even when he, before he boxed, you know, Lee Selby, Lee Selby asked me, he says, oh, what do you think? I said, listen, he's a lot better than, than people think he is. And even when they asked me in the interviews, I said, I think it'll be a close fight. And then when he beat Selby, he boxed Carl Frampton. He asked me, I said, you know what, he'll beat Carl Frampton. And people didn't believe me. They thought, oh, yeah, you know, he's got no chance. Carl Frampton, you know, hits, hits hard and he's a, he's, he's a good boxer. And listen, sometimes it's just about timing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm young, fresh, hungry. And uh, when I get in there, you know, it's going to be a tough fight, 100%. You know, it just depends on, you know, what he does. If he comes 
and, I, and if he comes to fight with me, then, you know, I believe probably stop him, you know, between the eighth and ninth round. If he doesn't, then, you know, I'll just take him to school and, and beat him up from pillar to post. I'm captivated by this because we've spoken to him, we've spoken to you, and you're both saying the exact right things. You're saying, like, yeah. the focus is there. They're not taking each other man lightly. You're paying him the respect of where you think he is in world boxing. I've even heard you give an interview, I think, to one of our other shows on TalkSport this week where you were saying, listen, he will probably win an, a world title again, but it won't be the IBF one because I'm going to take it off him. He might go and fight for the WBO one and win that, you know, and then maybe come back yeah. again and unify you're saying all the right things. This is, for any fight fan, this is much, must-watch stuff next weekend in Leeds. 100%, listen, it's going to be exciting. You know, Josh comes to fight, I come to fight, and it's going to be a very exciting fight. Is it? Is it? I'm sure it isn't, but, you know, as, as a kid growing up, as you say, you were inspired there by Nazim to, to, to hold the same belt that yeah. Naz held as well. That That's something a bit special, isn't it, Barry? It is 100%. You know, before Brendan passed away, he gave me a t- he's always gave me things, Brendan, just like T-shirts. So he's got a, he's got a lot of stuff in his uh, in his garage, just just like you know, fight posters or you know, tracksuits yeah. from Nassim Hamed days or Johnny Nelson or the champions Adam. And before he died, he gave me a T-shirt, and this T-shirt was the T-shirt that when Nas boxed a guy called Boom Boom Johnson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the that was one of the first fights I ever watched, and that was when Naz boxed, you know, for the IBS world title against Boom Boom Johnson. Mate, I've just got shivers up my back. What are you doing to me now? You've given me. Oh, I've got the. I know this is supposed. You know, this is destiny. You know, I knew I was gonna fight. You know, Josh from a, a while back, and uh, Josh never knew that he was gonna fight me. He might say he, he might say he did, but I know he didn't. You know. Frank promised them, you know, an, uh, uh, a unification fight with Oscar Valdez. So I wasn't even on his radar, but he was on my radar. And uh, listen, June 15th of June, there's going to be a new world champion. I tell you what, if you if you like if you like a flutter as well, Naz stop Tom Boom Boom Johnson in the eighth round. I'm just saying, oh, I'm it. just putting stop it out it. there. There's going to the be people round. running to other bookies now. There you go. <laughs> Listen, Barry, go well. Enjoy fight week, mate. It's going to be a cracker oh, over in uh, in your Cheers, native Yorkshire. Enjoy it, pal. Right, take no care. Take care, please. Superb. Uh, you're listening to TalkSport. Do stick with us. There's lots still to come on the show, <sighs> including Tyson Fury. How do we follow that after them two? <laughs> Tyson can follow anybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Two, three, four. Listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Hope you are well. Uh, the big name guests continue on the show. Gareth A. Davis caught up with the Gypsy King himself, Tyson Fury, on the west coast of America. This is what he had to say in the build-up to his fight next week in Las Vegas with Tom Schwartz. As true British gents, we have to put our best foot forward and do the best we can and keep moving on with life and continue to battle the good fight. Keep walking the good fight. Has... Um, and as Winston Churchill said, we shall never surrender. We can't surrender. There was that extraordinary video you've just put out between rounds against Deontay Wilder where Ben's talking to you in the corner and you say, I am the Gypsy King. I will always be victorious. I will be victorious. Do you remember that at the time? Yes, I remember it. Uh, I came back in about after round 10 and Ben went to me, if you're feeling tired, I want you to give more than you've ever given before. And I was just reassuring Ben that I am the Gypsy King. I will be victorious. And if you believe it and you say it, you know, it's got to be true. Say it enough and everyone will be convinced. It's true. But deep down, what really puts you above everyone else in the division are your skills. And it allows you to... You put the work in. You've got the skills. You've put them into practice. You've proved it. And I suppose the, the, the legacy is going out there and making sure that you do prove it against the people that don't understand how boxing works. And that's probably four or five fights, six fights, isn't it? I believe, many believe now, I'm the best of my era. I, I went to Germany and beat the undefeated Vladimir Klitschko in, in 11 years. Came to America and beat Deontay Wilder. Having the time off gives people enough time to simmer and, and marinate. Today, the, the Ring magazine put me back at number one where I belong. They don't get it wrong. Yeah, they've put you at one, they've put Wilder, some, at, Wilder two. at two, and Ruiz has moved to three, Joshua to four, and uh, Dillian White to five. That's how they Yeah, and it. I believe it's fair. I believe that's a fair, um, fair ranking. Um, there was three, three horse racing in this, in this race. And, then there were two, but I've already beaten the guy who is two. So unless somebody comes out of the woodwork that we don't know about, then I've already cemented my place as the best of my era. Um, who's, the, who's the most difficult out there for you of all those heavyweights? Myself. Mm. It's interesting you say that. Very interesting because the battle I continue to, to fight on a daily basis with me is the hardest opponent I'll ever face in my life. Mm. Reason being is, it's easy to fight a man in front of me with gloves on, or a man in front of me with anything, because I know it's just a man, but when you're battling yourself on a daily basis, Gareth, it's the hardest fight anyone can ever walk and battle. It's a struggle I, I will continue to fight for the rest of my life. I have said this line many, many times, and. The Eagles wrote a beautiful song called Hotel California. And in that song, there's a verse that says, you can check out any time you want, but you can never leave. Mm. And that's how I like in mental health. You can check out any time you want to get better, but the mistake you can ever do is try and leave because it will never let you leave. 
You mean you've got to be present with it all the time? All the time, and mm. you must learn to maintain the disease of mental health. It's a silent killer. It's a disease that we can't say, can't pinpoint who's got it and who hasn't. It's not a physical disease. It's not a disease that we can make out. It's a, it's a, a killer that you can't tell the people are suffering. And it's a terrible thing because so many people are losing their lives to this silent killer on a daily basis. Um, I will continue to fight and try and smash a stigma on mental health because I know there's millions and millions of people out there who are suffering in silence and can't come out because they'll, they think they're going to be seen as weak people or vulnerable or whatever. And it's not the case because it is okay not to be okay. I didn't know how to talk about it. I come from a tough family and everyone's a big, tough, hard case and nobody shows feelings or emotions. You just have emotions. to deal with it. Yeah. You just have to deal with it. A lot mm. of my own family thought I was attention-seeking mm. because something like this doesn't happen to us. Yeah. We are the unshakables, you know. And if it can happen to the undefeated world heavyweight champion, six foot nine, 270 pounds, never lost a fight ever, then who, who, who is untouchable from this thing? No, nobody's unreachable. Everybody can be got to. And mental health is the toughest fight I've ever had to fight in my life, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And it's a terrible, terrible thing. It's funny you were just saying as we were driving over here. We're, we're in your beautiful mansion, gated mansion in the uh, in the southern area of the city. Um, that when you walked, we just come back from the top rank gym where you've been training. Um, that when you walk down the strip, it wasn't just uh, men, fight fans. Mexicans, Brits, it was like everyone, grannies, children, people, you got mobbed on the strip when you walked down there one yes, day. Yes. Um, maybe your story is resonating with all those people and that's what it is, you know? I think people can relate to me more than so they can relate to these untouchable athletes. I think I've crossed the boundary of being a sportsman, being a boxer, to just being a normal bloke. You know, I've always said I'm very approachable and very, you might find me in the, the most unusual, unlikely places. Um, and I'm never one to shy away from the crowd or shy away from the fans and I get involved and we've seen it many, many times. I'm not walking around with a hundred security guards, I'm on my own and just my friends around me and family. So well, I'll never forget the day you walked with a few thousand people when you came back in Manchester and that was, it was like Time of the Gypsies. Do you know the film? Yeah. It's a very old film and it's, it really literally was like people that day they wanted we to walk through the streets with mile. you. You didn't need a security. You walked a mile. How many people? It's thousands, wasn't thousands. it? Yeah. We walked right, right down Manchester from the MEN Arena to the, the Hilton at the bottom of Deansgate. Um, it was a fantastic, fantastic walk. It was the greatest mile of my life. It was, it was love, wasn't it? It was an it outpouring was love. love. It's quite a bit, because and you didn't even need any security. That was what was it. I was right in the middle of everybody. Oh, yeah, were, yeah. Everybody was jumping all over me. It was very fascinating. It was a very good experience for me and a moment that I'll remember for a long, long time. There was old people, young people, children. There was foreign people who didn't speak English. It was an amazing experience. Um, I obviously knew that I was very popular and very known, but... To come here and have this um, effect is like, wow, shocking. Let me ask you about the Wilder fight. I mean, you've told me how you know you, you won the fight. Many sage analysts know that you won the fight. You were knocked down twice, but you feel like you won 10 rounds. Um, what did you make of Deontay Wilder's comments that he wanted to kill someone, put someone in a body bag in his career? I thought it was very distasteful to bring to a gentleman's sport 
you know, this sport, how can I say? It's supposed to be a sport of gentlemen. And I, I fell... I brought the sport into disrepute myself on, on a number of occasions. And I'll hold my hands up and I've said things in the past and I've conducted, conducted myself in an unsportsmanlike manner in the past. But I've never said that I wanted to kill anybody, like put someone in a body bag or anything like that, with harmful intentions or anything. But as for Deontay Wilder saying he wants to kill someone or whatever, I, I don't really take too much from it because I know Deontay Wilder says a lot of stuff for attention um, I know he doesn't mean it he's a family guy he's, he came to boxing to support his disabled daughter mm. so this shows that he's a kind family person he's got I don't know maybe seven or eight kids or whatever he's got and he's got a wife and I believe he's, he's, a, he's a good family man he's trying to play I agree with you I the bad he boy is, yeah. he isn't really that character so when he's saying when I met Deontay effect, Wilder yeah. in 2009 mm. he was a shy tall gangly guy and he was stood in the corner of the building with his head down and I brought him into the ring live on Channel 5 and I said to everybody this is Deontay Wilder the American hope and he's going to be the next heavyweight champion of the world from the United States and that is there that's proof he was all kind of shy and he's like oh okay blah 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 and I thought you did a great job and thank you very much and all that and very different to the guy you see today but if you go back to 2009 my debut with the first fights I've always been like this always very confident in my ability always outspoken always brash always confident so some of these guys evolve this style of talking because, you know, it interests. Deontay Wilder is not a flamboyant character. He screams bomb squad and he says he wants to do this and do that, but very rehearsed and very unrealistic. Um, that's just my opinion on Deontay. He's a fraud. He's trying to play a character that he's not, and this isn't acting. He's a good dance partner. He played his part in the build-up to the fight, and I was very appreciative of him for the fact that he he gave me some talk. He gave it me back a little bit, and I was like, yes, thank you very much. I've been waiting 11 years for this to happen. I thought I was going to get a little bit of back and forth with David Hay when we were supposed to fight in 2013, but I put that to bed quite quickly. Um, I think the first press conference, David was like, oh, okay, I can't keep up with this guy. I'm going to let him be the talker and me just agree with everything he says. Deontay, he held his own for a bit and then obviously had to take over. But just be yourself. My advice to anyone in boxing is just be yourself. Don't try and be something you're not. Be yourself. Deontay Wilder isn't the, the flamboyant, outspoken, controversial character he's trying to be. I'd suggest that he just... Be yourself and don't try and be somebody else. When you say that he's a good dance partner, do you see perhaps a trilogy happening with him eventually? I'd hope so. I'd hope so. Mm. You know, I don't want to leave boxing and leave anybody with any doubts on any, any fights, you know. I don't want people to say, oh, he moved new his way out of this fight. They can never say that about me anyway because I've been to champions' countries and, and, and fought them there. And if I was a dodger or a ducker or whatever, I wouldn't have done this. Um, I can honestly say, I fear no man. Especially not in a boxing ring. What they're going to do, punch me in the face? It's like, okay, I've been punched in the face a thousand times before. I make my people, I make my country, 
I stand up for what's right. And sometimes I feel like we are Spartans. And when everybody else fails, the army will say, but we have Hector. <laughs> you know the film Troy? You know, they could never lose because they had Hector. And that's what the Brits are like. We have Tyson. He will stand and fight to the death. So when everybody else fails, you know you can count on me to go a mono el mono with anybody in the world in heavyweight division and come out victorious because we have Hector. Do you think um, what happened with Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua last week kind of diminishes the fight for you and Joshua when it eventually does happen? Or what did you see in that? Did you see what you knew? Or you, you say that you saw... Before the fight, you felt that there was something about him, body language, body shape, sweats, psychology. You saw something in him. You read him. Your radar read something. Now, with me being a master at mind games in this game and the guy who outthinks psychologist and the guy who took a doctor in, in psychology to school being Vladimir Klitschko, I saw a weakness in, in Joshua's mental makeup. Uh, when he walked to the ring, he looked to me as if he wanted to be anywhere but boxing on that night. He, he got caught, which anybody can get caught in round three. No shame in going down, but it's the way that he sort of accepted defeat. It's the way like in round seven he was going down because he wanted to, rather than because the punches were putting him down. It was like he was jumping to the floor. And that's, that's a true sign of somebody who doesn't want to stand and fight. Some people have said he's finished already. I mean, one defeat, people saying he's finished, is that just people speaking? Or is it's it how he's lost. Now? It's how the defeats happened. Mm. Like, when Muhammad Ali lost his first fight to Joe Frazier after two combat fights, after being out the ring for three years, mm. Oscar Bonavena and Jerry Quarry, and then he fought the heavyweight champion of the world, Joe Frazier, and lost in a good fight over 15 rounds. At Madison Square Garden, yes. same venue, yeah. It wasn't an embarrassing loss. It was a hell of a fight. Mm. It's not the fact of losing a fight. It's how one loses. And the fact that he didn't want to fight on, his body language said, I've had enough. Andy Ruiz was in the other corner, putting his hands up in the air before the referee counted him out because he knew he spat his gum shield out. It's all the signs that a fighter should never show. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Hope you are well. If you've only just tuned into the show, by the way, uh, you can, of course, if you've missed any part of it, get this via podcast, which will be available at the end of the show. You can download it via iTunes. You're looking for Fight Night. Uh, or you can go to the TalkSport website, get yourself on the TalkSport.com, hit subscribe and you'll never miss out on any of our boxing content. Now, uh, you've just heard from Tyson Fury with Gareth. Gareth also caught up with Tyson's trainer, Ben Davison, during his trip to Las Vegas. And this is what he had to tell him. You saw what happened last weekend, how things can go wrong in the heavyweight division for people, Ben. Um, has it got the radar up? Has it kind of heightened your senses with like a, a week to go before Tyson's fight against Tom Schwartz? No, um, we always prepare professionally, no matter who we're boxing, where we're boxing. Um, we take everything 100% because we know those things can happen. But, that being said, nothing against Joshua. I just felt like, you know, um, that was it, those things were going to happen. Um, 
adaptions did need to be made and I didn't see them being made um, enough and in time before they got, I don't want to use the word exploited, but brought to attention, so to, so to speak. What did you see wrong in Joshua during the fight then? I mean, obviously, we can't take anything away from the performance of... Um, Andy Ruiz, because it was amazing. It was his moment, wasn't it? But what what were the, you know, as a, as a trainer, as a technical kind of person, the things you were seeing, what did you see that concerned you if you'd been there with him? Uh, see, it's, it's easy to say, um, it's easy to say what I would have changed there and then, but it all comes back to what you're used to doing, what your body's been prepared to do, what you spoke about, game plans, etc. And I always say that, at this level, people say, oh, what do you think of this fight and that fight? And it all boils down to game plans because if you go in there with the wrong game plan, you can make an easy fight a hard fight. Um, and, you know, I feel like he, I feel like for Joshua, he hasn't got enough variabilities. I don't feel like he can adjust. Um, I feel like for the last couple of fights, he's been caught between trying to box and fight. Um, but sort of been caught in between the two rather than doing one of the two um, and having the fluidity to float between the two. Um, you know, he was having a low left hand, jabbing from the hip. I've never seen him train and jab from the hip. I've never seen him do that. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I've never seen that. Um, he's always trained to what, like Carl Frotch or even like Tyson does sometimes. Tyson, I've never seen Joshua hit the pads or hit the bag with a, with a hip jab. Um, I've always seen that he's been trained to punch from a certain hand placement. Here, I've never seen him trained to shoot from a, a low, loose um, guard. And, and you know, if you're going to try something, don't try something on the night of a world title fight. It needs to be practiced in the gym. And, you know, your style has to adjust depending on who you're boxing. You need to be able to adjust your style at top level. And you know. He's been trained to do things in a certain way. I don't want to go into too much detail, obviously, because it's a potential opponent, but um, changes have to be made. Um, and obviously, they're, they're deciding to jump straight back into the rematch, which, if they know what went wrong, and I mean specifically, not just to say, oh, I should have pushed him back more, or I should have boxed a bit more, or you need to be specific. If you can break it down and be specific, I can tell you specifically what went wrong there um, and what was wrong. If you can specifically break it down and they know where they went wrong, then it might be an idea to have the rematch straight away. But if they don't actually know specifically what the problem was and what needs changing, then I wouldn't go into that rematch. The question's always asked about Tyson. Where is he mentally, physically, emotionally, um, since a brilliant event last December. Where is he? He's in a good place, he's in a good place, you know. He's thriving in boxing in Las Vegas. Um, and to be honest, people do always say it. There's been certain elements of camp that, that, you know, we can always improve, and you're always looking in what areas you can improve. But in terms of sparring, been the best that I've seen him so far probably. You were talking about there was a time where you couldn't let him off the reins at all for a single day and you needed to be with him. Has that changed at all in the last seven months? Yeah, definitely. You know, he's a lot more comfortable uh, either being on his own or being in others' company and 
he's, uh, he's just in a better place mentally, physically and emotionally, like we said, he's, he's, he's back to normal. Online, DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Go the distance with Fight Night Live. The fight starts now. With Adam Catterall and Nick Pete. I don't think he's going to get up. On TalkSport, the home of boxing. Listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, Nick Pete alongside me, um, and we're about to speak to a man that's got more mobile phones than <laughs> God knows who, mate. I'd say something, business, pleasure, you name it, he's got a lot. Getting hold of this fella's a nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> Anthony Fowler, how are you? What's happening, all right? <laughs> well, listen, when you're going to book yourself on this show, right, give us the number that you want us that to That you've call. got switched on? Yes. Don't just don't just give us a number and then go and change your mobile phone number the same day, you clown. I know what it is. My, my WhatsApp and my phone are different numbers, so it's confusing. <laughs> How is that even possible? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway, listen, listen. let's crack on. Listen. <laughs> let's crack on. Listen, we've got a date in the diary. We know when you're back out. Manchester, we're going to get stuck into that in a minute or two. Um, but we've not had the pleasure of speaking to you since, obviously, the last bout, um, the Fitzgerald loss. Now that the dust has settled on that, where's your head at, mate? How do you reflect on it? Yeah, obviously it was a learning experience. I thought unnecessary to be a poet, which I should never do in this game. But on his previous performances, I didn't see how he could raise his levels to what he did. And fair play to the kid, he, he raised his game and um, he put on a great show. So I learned about that, I learned about that night and um, I'm really open for a rematch where I'm going to the fight and I don't want to expect and I had a very different result next time. Regarding this that you're going to be doing in Manchester, because I noticed that this is at 160 pounds, you're stepping up in weight. Yeah, well, um, I don't really need to, but my coach Steve, um, when we were talking about the fight, he weighed me. I was like, when I was 12 so on, he said, you know what, do a fight at 11 6, we see how you feel because people are, you are paid for the weight and you know, your body fat is very, very low when you're on the scale. So I was thinking, enjoying the, the training, like eating what I want, just feeling good and feeling strong in the gym so we'll see how it goes but I do really want to go down and box at um, 154 against the likes of Scott and Cheevan but mm. obviously it's up, to, it's up to Dave you know what I mean mm. well there isn't a pick on you mate you know what I mean when you say your body fat's low I mean you can't really speak to me and Nick about body fat you know what I mean we've got enough to drown you in exactly <laughs> <laughs> I know it is like well, I, I do still think I can make 154 comfortable and um, I don't think I lost a fight because of my weight you know what I mean I think I just put a lot into the, the early rounds and down the stretch and maybe I tired a little bit. I didn't feel tired in there, but his shots were in a snap in his fist as he was the first half of the fight. But that's probably down to the fact that I was trying to um, put a lot into the shots early on, trying to take him out where he was a bit more composed. He saved his energy. He knew it was a long night, which I obviously wasn't, wasn't prepared for. Mm. The, have, you, have you watched the fight back much, Anthony? Have you, have you, how long did it take you to watch it back for the first time? Oh, I mean,
just to prove a point, and um, that was me undoing. Because you had a huge ninth round. Yeah. When you watch it back, you know, you, that ninth round, it, it, obviously Scott was holding on at one point. It looked like you were about to finish him, but yeah. credit credit to him, he came back super strong in the 10th and, you know, you, you got caught in an exchange. But I, I guess that's what you take away from it is that, you know, you, you've met Scott there on the best night of his career so far. And you've not been battered. This no, was, God, this, God, this, this was, was razor thin. Razor thin. It was literally on the, the knockdown. Round. Yeah, it's yeah. on the knockdown. Sorry, I get all mad pressing pants going. You, you got destroyed. I'm thinking, what are you watching, pal? <laughs> <laughs> They're just enjoying giving you a bit. They're giving you a little bit. That's all it is. How important is it then for you, off the back of that now, to get out as soon as you possibly can? And obviously, July the 6th is the next day. Manchester, it's a good card as well. It's a big card. It's a big night for you. It's not a small thing for you. It's straight back into a big night. Yeah, definitely. That's what I wanted. Um, like I said, I don't want to move around. And I did feel myself the first time in my career a bit, a bit demotivated a bit after that fight. I was a bit, a bit down for the first time in my, in my career. So I was a bit, I was like, I had to leave. I need to fight just to get me get over this fight. I need to um, get behind the ring and just erase them demons and then move on. So I mean, like, it takes a lot to get me down, and I was a bit down for a few weeks. Well, that's understandable. You're suffering your first loss. It's yeah. a grudge match. There's a little bit of needle in it going in, a little bit of needle coming out. And with all due respect, you're a young lad, so therefore you're on social media. People are going to get stuck in, aren't they? You know what I mean? And you've got to be a. a you, you will have learned an awful amount just from society in general in the in the aftermath of that fight, mate. Yeah, well, people always say, you, you felt you, you two friends are when you're at your low times, but. I know who's there for me and who's not. So, I mean, like, no one around me has changed in any way, shape, or form. Everyone who's there for me is all stuck by me, all my sponsors, all my friends, all my yeah. family. Everyone, I'm a close person, anyway, for a small circle. I'm not, I'm not into all them hangers on. You want to be your, your best mate when you're winning. Mm. I see that. I see them coming a mile away. I mean, I'm like, Nicholas was going on the ball. <laughs> when you said that, his eyes lit up. Then his eyes lit up. I knew, I knew you two would turn this into a scouse loving at some point. Just because you've won your, your sixth European Cup now, jog on the pair of you. <laughs> Listen, just on that because you were touching on something that's obviously quite prominent in the world of boxing this week. We AJ's defeat, and I'm sure he's going through the exact same things that you've just been mentioning. Have you reached out to him? Because I know you're good pals. You spent a lot of time on on Team GB. Have you managed to speak to him this week? I just thought I'm going to give him a little week I'm, I'm going to mess him eventually but I don't want to be one of them people who just bombard him yeah. the way. I'm going to give him a little week now I don't want to speak to him on Snapchat for some weird reason when he gets back to me on Snapchat so I give him a little Snapchat <laughs> <laughs> send him those following abs That's there you go it. there you go picture me in the bath say what's happening lad <laughs> give, him a, give him a glimpse of the good stuff That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so with that then you've obviously had conversations with Dave about weight, the weight situation you 154 really is tasty I mean I'd love you to go back in there and have a, a go again with uh, Scott and obviously Ted there's some great fights there but 160 is not bad either there mate you know what I mean there's some nice little knocks in there uh, Liam Williams is up there you can have a little bit of a knock in there some wonderful domestic dust ups there yeah definitely mate. I, I won't say there'd be no problem because I'm just as big and strong with them all but at one five four, I've got a lot, a lot of advantages over me opponents. I'm a lot, I'm a lot bigger and stronger than most, so I will, I will have to stay down there while I can because I, honestly, God, I'm, I'm, I'm at 160. I've literally been having bowls sailor like ten hours nights and that, just not as deep as I once because I'm, I've been on my waist. I don't, I don't need to um, lose nothing, and I've got like four weeks to go. So one, um, one sixty is an easy way to make, but 
I will be for them. My palms will be a little bit slower and a little bit with me. Whenever, when I can land, I, I do damage. So, but I mean a bit bigger and slower. It should play into my hands again. But like I said, I, I do want to go down. I've got, I've got unfinished business, so it is what it is, isn't it? It is what it is, exactly. It's become like a Scouse mantra oh, now, hasn't it, since Love Island. That's all everyone's using now. You walk around Liverpool and that's all everybody's saying. It is what it is. That's £5 for that T-shirt, mate. It is what it is. Everyone's using the same for it. Love Island, everyone's obsessed with Love Island. Do you know what? That's a good point. Obviously, Young Fury's on there at the moment, oh, doing his biz. Get yourself in, Flashing Ant. nose get abs. Get yourself in. Now, they, uh, listen, Ant's pretty much a married man. Don't get yeah, me but wrong. but he could get his missus in there as well, couldn't he? But I'm thinking, this guy would be made for reality TV. You know, would you fancy the jungle, maybe? And some widgety grubs or some ballroom dancing, Ant, maybe? If he burgers with me, lad, I'll be on Laval next year. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Free holiday, innit? <laughs> Free holiday in Marbella. Few Instagram followers, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, how's the uh, how's the business going? The old uh, CBD oils, are you doing well there? Are you, are you, are you flogging them? Mate, you know what, honestly, guys, it's great just because I started, I'm not the most sceptical person, you know, me. I don't believe in that, I just believe in hard work, me. But um, since I tried it, I couldn't believe how good, how good effect it was on me. And but obviously, I'm selling it now. And uh, to um, buy it, mate, it makes me saying, oh, mate, thanks so much, you helped me so much. So just getting like feedback from people and like, I get to make it cheaper as well because. Expensive, you know what I mean? So I, I get them to up my friend. I'm not, just want it to win, you know, or you know what I mean? So why not? There you go. If anybody wants any CBD oil, at Anthony. <laughs> 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 Listen, you're a top man. We're looking forward to this. We're looking forward to the comeback, mate. It's the same old adage, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's always better after a fall. The rise is always 100%. greater. Listen, yeah. top man, enjoy getting yourself back in the gym, my friend, and we'll see you on July the 6th. Nice one, lads. All the best for you. See you soon. Take care, mate. Take care. Bye, Superb bye, bye, stuff. Bye, bye, bye. There you go. Um, I don't know what phone number we should dish out there for his CBD oil business. Because <laughs> he's got about 17 yeah, phones. You know what I mean? You can't get out of him. It's a blooming nightmare. Uh, but he's in good spirits. He seems yeah. to have digested it well. We spoke to Scott Fitzgerald in the aftermath of that as well. And as anybody that is messaging Anthony Fowler saying that he got absolutely battered, that's not the case. This was a razor, no. razor thin fight that was swung in the last round with that knockdown. It was absolutely a top class domestic dust up. I just hope that they do meet again because it, yes. was, bloody, it was bloody fantastic. I think they will meet again. Absolutely. But you know what? I want to see a trinket on the line when it does happen again because they both deserve it. And, uh, you know, I think. Fowler probably had the bigger profile going into the fight, but certainly Scott Fitzgerald's captured that profile now moving into July the 6th, and now he's in the, he's in the main or the co-main event on July the 6th, and it's going to be a tough for Fowler to be walking down that corridor in the bowels of the, uh, of the Manchester Arena and seeing Scott on after him yep. in, in a bigger fight. That'll be tough for Fowler to see, but you know what? And Scott's fans will be in there giving him some course, as well. Of course, but I, I just know, I've known Fowler since he was a kid, and I, I've known... I've been there during the highs and the lows, and there's been many, many highs. You know, he's the most decorated amateur boxer in uh, England's ever had across multiple, multiple tournaments, of course. I'm not talking about winning necessarily gold medals at the Olympic level, but multiple medals. Um, but, I, I, you know, I was there when he lost to Callum Smith in a shootout in Liverpool, which which was a, a, an amateur to move on to an Olympic qualification tournament. Um, I remember, obviously, we all remember when he lost at the Olympic Games, when, when he went out there with such high expectations to win a medal. Um, so he's had setbacks before and he's bounced back from them and, and been a better fighter for it. So I think going away now that himself, Dave Caldwell, the, a lot of questions 
were answered. Maybe they didn't get the answers they wanted, but a lot of questions were answered against Scott Fitzgerald. And sometimes, at this stage, that's the beauty of those fights, because he hasn't moved backwards, he's just gone sideways, and Scott mm. Fitzgerald's gone a single place in front of him. Mm. Um, good to hear him in top spirits anyway. Uh, stick with us, there's still quite a lot uh, to get through uh, this show. We're going to be speaking about Amir Khan, because he's got himself a new fight after the uh, defeat to Terence Crawford. We're going to talk about it next, here on TalkSport. Biggie! This is Fight Night on Talk Sports. Hope you are well. I know we're on a, a, a new time for you. We're normally on 9 till 12, but because the football season has ended, we've been promoted. 7 till 10, Saturday nights. Make sure you come and join us. Uh, we'll be live in Las Vegas next week, building up towards uh, the Josh Warrington Kid Galahad fight and towards, obviously, Tyson Fury's Las Vegas debut. So make sure you come and join us for it. Right now, though. Uh, I think it's only fair that we talk a little bit about Amir Khan. Our boy James Savundra caught up with Amir at the presser this week for his upcoming fight. And this is what King Khan had to say. Joined here by Amir Khan in London. Amir, great to see you. Yeah, really quick you. turnaround since that Terence Crawford fight. Uh, definitely. I mean, after a performance uh, against Terence Crawford and having that loss, I wanted to kind of put it behind me. The best way of doing that is by getting another fight and getting a win. Obviously, this is a fight against uh, a guy who's probably, a lot of people are going to say, is not on the same level as me. But I just think it's a great way of me getting back in the mix again and getting them, getting that confidence back, getting a good win under my belt. Uh, he is, obviously, looks serious. You know, he thinks that he can win this fight. I mean, that's the reason he took the fight. So I still have to be on my A game. I mean, look, I don't want to make the mistakes that other fighters have made going into fights thinking it's going to be easy. Um, for example, look, uh, our, our world champion, Anthony Joshua, was just beaten on the weekend, a weekend ago, and obviously that was a fight that everyone thought he was going to win quite easily. Same with this fight. A lot of people expect me to win this fight easily. If I may, if I take my eye off the game, I think can go wrong, so I just can't afford that, you know, so I have to be on my A game and work very hard. I know you want to be looking forward, but what are your reflections on the Crawford fight? Are there any regrets there at all? No regrets. You know, as experience, it was the best experience I've ever, I ever had. Um, he's a great fighter. can't take nothing away from him. He had great timing, and um, I've got that respect for him. Obviously, that low shot, uh, he made, look, I am going to argue about that because it was a low shot. It was a, it was well below the belt. Um, but it, was, it got a little bit confusion, confusing in the corner when I was, I was told five minutes, and obviously then I took a walk, and then obviously the cornerman stopped the fight, Virgil stopped the fight. But it is what it is. I just have to move forward for, 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 from that. This fight, with uh, nothing against Virgil in any way, uh, or nothing against what, what happened in the last fight we're making a quick change and we're using um, uh, Alex Ariza's strength conditioner and we're using Bones Adam to be the head coach for this training camp for this fight let's see how things go uh, I've seen the way they train I've uh, seen the way they work with the fighters and you know it, look, it looks promising so that's a new change I made in the team Would you consider working with Virgil again he was quite critical of, of the way you are between camps yeah um, is there a relationship there could you work with him again yeah definitely you know why not I mean we can still work together definitely um, but yeah he may be right maybe I need to keep myself busy you know these long breaks in between fights for having eight month breaks see this fight I only had four weeks at the ring and then I was back in training again after a little operation on my elbow but I'm okay to go uh, so yeah, this is a great opportunity for me and that's why I took it I think it's fair to say some people may be quite critical with the fight you're about to take. It's not someone that UK fans will know that well. And there is a feel, I guess, that it is 
more of an exhibition match than a boxing match. What do you say to those critics? I think I deserve a fight like this. Look, if you look at my resume, the fights I've had, I've had some wars in my game. And obviously, look, you know, everyone wants to see me in a war. Let me have fights like this where, you know, I can showcase my skills um, and I can, I, can, I can enjoy the sport, really. It gets very difficult when, you know, when people put you down and say, oh, you need to be in hard fights and stuff. It's not all about that. You know, it's all about showcasing your skills and showing people what you have left in me. And this is a fight where I need to see where I, where I am in the game. Just one final question. Yeah. I'm sure you saw Anthony Joshua's fight at the weekend. Yeah. And just using your experience of that Prescott fight you had, yeah. 18 fights, you'd won them all. That 19th fight, the knockout, just what will he be going through now and how tough is it to recover from that first professional defeat? Well, mentally, I think he'll be very strong. Uh, he'll know how to overcome that. He knows he got beat off a guy who he knows he can beat, obviously. And uh, obviously that fight that happened. I just don't think it's going to be the best thing to do to take him on straight away I think having a rematch with him maybe one or two fights later when he's got his confidence back up again when he's got a good knockout a few knockouts under his belt and then he fights uh, Ruiz for the second time if he takes it too soon it might be could, could, could go all wrong again so let's hope it doesn't go that way uh, but yeah we're always on uh, we're always on in his corner we're always supporting him uh, Andy Joshua so let's see hopefully he can uh, pull off that performance and beat him and win his titles back now then Nicholas if you are offered Seven million quid to go and fight someone that you've never heard of for a belt that's just been invented in a land far, far away. Are you shaking my hand? Are you in? Absolutely, I'm in. Absolutely. And you know what? I, listen, I'm not going to cast shade on Amir Khan for taking this fight. Mm. He's just fought one of the best pound for pound boxers on the planet in Madison Square Garden in Terence Crawford in a world title fight. Um, you know, it's, he's never shaked a big fight in his life. He's always took on the hardest fights. Otherwise, he's, he'd have probably fought Kell Brook. So I'm not going to pour shade on him for taking on Goyat out in, out in the Middle East for the absolute fortune his career deserves it. For me, this is like a little backhand payday for Amir Khan for all the great work that he's done. His career is incredible. It also goes to prove as well, for anybody that doubts this, how big of a name Amir Khan is yep. in the world of boxing. Name another box. Well, you could probably name five current active boxers, maybe even less, that could, as I've just said, fight someone that you've never heard of in the middle of nowhere for a belt that you've never heard of for that amount of money. Go around all the world champions at this moment in time and in his weight category, you'd look at a Terence Crawford, you'd look at a Errol Spence, you'd look at a Sean Porter, you'd look at a Keith Thurman. They won't get seven million for fighting this kid. Nope. That, that just would not happen. Amir Khan is still a major player. You could probably throw Manny Pacquiao into the Amir Khan conversation because he probably would get seven million quid for fighting a nobody, you know. But that I just wanted to stress that point for all the people that do throw doubt on Amir Khan and call him chinny and call him washed up and call him a has been. He's still a very powerful play, player in this game. Absolutely, and he comes out of this fight with a with a victory, no doubt. And he he puts himself back in the frame. He's got himself that that all important win again. Um, and, and there's still other big fights out there for him. And he's got the WBC Pearl... Pearl oh, we're going to call it something else then. <laughs> the WBC Pearl Belt. The WBC Pearl Belt. Is that is that a joke? Is this a wind-up? No, it's a real belt. That, there's just no way. It's not a real belt at all. Mm. It isn't a real belt It's to get someone maybe uh, sanctioned or... It, it's, abso- them- it's absolutely bonkers is what it is. But listen, this King Abdullah Sports City Stadium in yeah. Jeddah is yeah, yeah. the name for itself. It is. Well, That's where George Grubbs... World Boxing Super yeah. Series final. Now Amir Khan. Mm. Once a year, that, that venue's thrown up a big time boxing. I like it. There you go. Pakistan versus India in, yeah. uh, in Jeddah. Apparently the Pakistan Prime Minister's yeah. planning on attending as well. Former cricketer Imran Khan, he will there be there. There we go. He's a big mate of Amir's. He'll be there, pal. The Prime Minister will be in the house. But 
in all seriousness, mm-hmm. we haven't heard of this kid. This kid has got... I, I was looking at his record the other day, right? And he was beaten off a geezer making his debut, right? And this is only two or three fights ago. I think his record... I think he's got seven losses on there, six losses or something. It's a crazy little record that Neil has got. But if Amir Khan, as you said, beats him, no great shakes there, he takes his seven million quid. Does Amir Khan continue to fight or is this one of those swan songs? Thank you very much, everybody. I'm off. Or does he come back and take a fight with Kelbrook? Listen, I think he's following. He's kind of following in the footsteps of Manny Pacquiao now, isn't he? Manny Pacquiao hit the road for a couple of years and actually he ended up going to Australia and getting beat by a, guy, a school teacher called Jeff Horn that nobody had heard of. Yeah. Um, so Amir's got to still be on his game at the end of the day because stranger things have happened, but... I think this is him going away, licking his wounds, getting a wind on, under his belt. You know, because you don't want to bounce out of being, you know, imba- let's be honest, embarrassed for six rounds against Terence Crawford to then bounce into a huge fight with, with Kel Brook. You want to get a win under your belt. You want to load your bank account in mm. this case as well. Because the Kel Brook fight will never go away for Amir Khan. It will for Kel Brook, but it won't for Amir Khan because Amir Khan's legacy is so much greater than Kel Brook's legacy. He can always have that swan song fight. It's always going to be there for him. On that, what you've just said there, bouncing from a defeat into an immediate, another big fight. We were speaking about it right at the start of the show, weren't we? We AJ. Coming off that, going straight into the rematch. You've just been talking about Amir Khan. The opportunity to fight Kel Brooks, most certainly there. He could go and do that quite yeah. and, and please all the fans. But he's just coming off a real loss. Terence Crawford. I've never seen Amir Khan outbox before. Terence Crawford outboxed him. Yeah. And you're saying he's making the right decision. Go and fight someone. Go and get a bit of confidence. Go and get a win under your belt. And then we can maybe re, uh, revisit the Kelbrook or other fights. Yeah, but it's it's so much easier when you lose against a pound for pound great, if if like they where you were the underdog to go away and lick your wounds and go okay well I, I shot for the moon I didn't quite make it so I'm going to go away and get myself a win and then I'm going to come the, back and, and have a look how right. the world looks like then. But the and, mentality and of losing can't do that. Yeah, but the mentality of losing is oh yeah you you are right. He's lost to one of the pound for pound best, Anthony. Joshua has lost a massive, massive upset. Yes. So therefore, you would think that his mentality, Anthony Joshua's mentality, is even more damaged than Amir Khan's. Absolutely. So, of his. so therefore, maybe that stresses our point even more so that getting straight back into a rematch is even more dangerous. It is. It, it's massively dangerous. Of course it is. And, um, you know, if there was a clear indicator as to what went wrong on the night, then you'd feel a lot more comf- comfortable, which has kind of been the theme of the show a little bit tonight, hasn't it? Everyone's touched on it, even George Foreman. I, I, I'd like to see... Listen, I'm a huge Anthony Joshua fan. I just, want to see, I just want to see him claim them belts again. But I want to see something that's going to indicate to me that November, December, the rematch with Ruiz isn't going to be an absolute car crash again. And at the moment, I'm seeing no signs. Mm. Um, regarding Amir, do you reckon we should get a ticket out to Jeddah? Go and have that's... a little bit of a nosy out? Or should we just catch this on the telly? I was just going to say, we missed the World Boxing Super Series. I was massively disappointed. Um but no, unfortunately not. No. This is a TV job, isn't it? We'll wait, we'll wait. This is yeah. a TV job. Uh, um, our boy Don McGuinness has been catching up with uh, Carl Frampton because Carl has been speaking uh, quite a lot recently about his own comeback. Uh, and once this one is out the way, because he signed a new deal with ESPN over in the States, once the first one's out the way, he is targeting Oscar Valdez. It's a cracking little chat, and you're going to hear that next here on TalkSport. This is Fight Night on Talk Sport. Hope you are well. Yes, I know we're in a new time. Um, this is how it's going to be through the... Uh, uh, whilst the football 
He's uh, taking a little bit of a holiday before the new season kicks off. We are going to be 7 till 10 every Saturday night. We'll return to 9 till 12 uh, once the new football season kicks off. So mark that down in your diary. And if you miss any part of the show, it will be available as a podcast for you. Talksport.com is your website. Uh, We promise week in, week out, we will bring you the biggest names in boxing. Next week, we're in Las Vegas for Tyson Fury's fight. So we will be littered uh, with big name guests next week, just as we have been this week. We've had George Foreman on the show. We've heard from Tyson Fury himself. Ben Davidson's been on the show. Uh, You've heard from Amir Khan. And it's now time to hear uh, from Carl Frampton because our boy Don McGuinness uh, caught up with the Jackal as he targets an August return to the ring. Well, Carl, great to see you in the gym. You've got a bit of a sweat on there. You've been doing the pads with Nigel Travis yeah. and uh, you're all wrapped up for a, a big session. Just uh, just talk us through how, how it's been the, the comeback the first few weeks of camp. Um, it's been a long break, the longest break I've had probably in the pro career, but I needed it after my last fight. Um, but I'm back, kind of rejuvenated I was busting to get in the gym there again you know and I haven't felt like that in a long time so I, I needed the break but I'm back and the first week was pretty hard a few aches and pains but I'm over that now and start to put the foot down and, and hopefully get a date pretty soon it's August the 10th isn't it is that what you well it's rumoured August the 10th there's another date August the 23rd potentially as well so um, one, one, of, one of the two dates um, in America somewhere still don't know definite location but want to get it announced and tied up and announced pretty soon just so I can let people know give them plenty of time to make a trip what kind of opponent I mean what names have been mentioned to you you, you, you may you may think I'm talking out my ass here but no names have been mentioned so I, I've been told yeah, it's not going to be one of the top boys you know what I mean someone kind of probably fringe world level um, something like that get me back get a win um, Sounds like I'm overlooking someone. I'm not going. I'm not going to be. But I, I understand the type of fight that I need after my last performance. Um, and then hopefully Oscar Valdez before the end of the year. That is still the plan, and that's obviously with your styles as well. It's one that everyone would really look forward. to. I think to. it'll be a great fight, uh, especially if I get back to doing what I can do best and get up and moving on my toes and get my feet back. As you've seen, probably the little session was done done there with Nigel. That's what I'm trying, and um, maybe neglected that a bit in my last fight, but. Yeah, um, I think me and Oscar Valdez, you know, we fight a hundred times, they're always going to be crackers. Now, we've seen over the weekend, and I know that you're over stateside and, and straight back into it here now, but all the talk obviously is about Joshua and, and what's happened, and, you know, people are now talking about comebacks for him. You, you, you've been there now, I mean, yeah. you're, you're well into mentally coping with that setback. Yeah. Interesting times ahead. I mean, for you as well. You you've not been in the ring yet, but yeah. again, lots of chat now about shock defeats and whatever, and people yeah. coming back. It's hard, and you need to be mentally strong, especially someone like Joshua, who was probably after Canelo the biggest name in world boxing, and still is, um, even though he got beat. But because he was kind of put on this pedestal, and everyone raved about him, and, and he brought a lot of casual fans to sport, which is what we need, and it was brilliant that he was able to do that. But a lot of people were just shocked that he got beat, and people only, especially the casual fans, just thought this guy was unbeatable. And he's been beat, so mentally, to come back from that, he need to be very, very tough. Um, but the thing is, he seems to be taking the, the defeat very well. He's made no excuses, but in my opinion, there was definitely something not right on the fight, and it's pretty credible that he hadn't said anything, really. He hasn't made any excuses, which I like. Um, but it's going to be tough. You know, a rematch with Andy Ruiz. I think if Josh is on it, 100%, he wins that fight. Just like I thought he's going to win the first fight, but if he's on it, he, he wins the fight. 
It's funny though, isn't it? Because people are now thinking, well, is that the right fight for him next to go straight back in with Ruiz? I mean, with you and Warrington, for example, yeah. I think Warrington himself straight away wanted to get on and do different things and unify, and obviously he's got his mandatory with Galahad, but that was never really spoken about, you two going at it straight away. Nah, I, I, you know, I wasn't the champion, so Josh is the champion, he lost his titles, so he's entitled to a rematch. Um, if... If it had been the other result, me and Warrington, I'm pretty sure a rematch would have happened as he was the champion. So I was a contender going into a fight. Like if Andy Ruiz lost that fight, there's not going to be a rematch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though he dropped Joshua or whatever, there's never, never going to be a rematch. But yeah, I, I, I understand where I am now. I, I took a defeat. I need to get back into contention for a world title, and I'm prepared to do that. And again, you, you were quite vocal as well, and you, you, I suppose you had to be, because you have to be honest about it, but you know, your, your friend, your former sparring partner, a girl you know so well, Katie Taylor, you know, in, in your opinion, didn't do enough to retain those belts, but probably hard for you to have to come out and say that. Yeah, it was pretty hard, because I know Katie very, very well, and her family, and I, I was just trying to be honest, you know, I was trying to be non-biased and sit at ringside and judge a fight as a, a non-biased observer, and that's... And that's what I've done, really, and, and I, I give the fight to pursue um, pretty comfortably. And, you know, I'm getting a lot of grief about that, especially from people from the Republic of Ireland, obviously, because that's where Katie's from, and and, uh, and she's loved over there, and she's a hero, and she is a hero. Um, but if I had said she won that fight, it would be the rest of the world giving me grief, and not the people from the Republic of Ireland. So, look, you just have to... I'm being honest, that's all. Um, People say, you know, go back and watch the fight again. But I was ringside, and it's the best place to judge a fight from. You can hear the noise of the punches. You can see the effect the punches are having. And in my opinion, she lost the fight. But that was that was a very underpowered performance from Katie Taylor. And I know she's much better than that. I know she can come back. And I know she can beat Pursun in a rematch. Um, and it can be convincing, I think. Pursun's always tough, aggressive, that come-forward style. As close to an even Drago performance I've ever seen. But, yeah, uh, Kitty's, Kitty's much better than that, and I know she'll want to settle the score in a rematch, and I'm, and I'm back on her to do that. You can have more awkward nights ahead as well, because, of course, one of your training partners here in Salford is Chantel Cameron, who's itching to fight Katie. So, yeah. again, you, you, can't, you, you won't be able to win soon, will you? No, of course. Look, and, and I think it's just important for me just to, to remain... And just say it as, as I see it, and Chantel's a quality fighter. If you look at the style Pursun has, the beat Katie, I think Chantel has a pretty similar style to Pursun. She's a very big puncher. Um, she's fit. She's determined. Similar style to Pursun. So um, that's a fight I know Chantel would, would fancy. And it would be a cracker if it, if it came off. Really, I really believe it. Back to you, though. Enough of all this, but... You are you feeling the buzz again? I mean, yeah, again, I again with the long layoff, people are always going to start thinking, you know, can he get that hunger back and, and everything else? I've got it back, you know. We're blowing smoke. I don't really need the box anymore, you know what I mean? And I'm doing it because I love it. I'm doing it because I want to win a world title. Um, so, yeah, I've got the hunger back. I'm enjoying being in the gym with the boys. And as I said, I was busting to get back. So, you know, you've seen the, the session I just put in. I'm only starting. I'm fat, I'm out of shape, but I pushed myself there, and if I didn't have the hunger, I wouldn't be as fat as you, to be honest. Well, if I didn't have the hunger, I wouldn't be pushing myself, you know what I mean? So, I've just spoke to Nigel and Jamie, I want to start sparring soon, um, so I, I've definitely got the hunger. And you, you're in your digs in Bolton, now, yeah, as, as normal, is that the idea? But you, you've lost one of your mates, Conrad's gone back Big to Conrad's Belfast. Conrad's gone back to Belfast, a few, 
few personal reasons he had to sort out uh, back home and uh, yeah no fallout or anything here but yeah he's the it's better for him to be at home now um, and yeah we've lost him so if there's any lodgers looking to split, split the rent they're more <laughs> still, than welcome. still got the quiet man Stephen Ward with you. Big Stevie he's alright he's, he's easy to live with he uh, does the washing dishes <laughs> hoovers every now and again so it's handy enough. And you've been enjoying life anyway I mean your podcast is going great and you, you've been enjoying that side of things haven't no, you? I have been and yeah, I've been doing a you know bits of commentary and stuff for the Super Series, um, for obviously Five Live as well, um, and, and I'm getting decent feedback. I'll have to edit that one out now. Oh, you keep that out, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm doing the podcast too, which I'm enjoying, and we're getting I'm getting pretty good feedback. So yeah, and and these things, I think it's it's important for me to try and be non-biased, especially when we're talking about boxing and. That's what I want to be. I think people like that. You, you see a lot of people, you know, having a touch of bass because they know a lot of people they want to upset people in the game. But I think that, you know, it's just opinions. Some, someone, someone has an opinion about me. It's their opinion. It doesn't upset me. So I think if everyone thought like that, it would be okay. Just a final point. You're obviously over here now in in Salford now training again, and you know you can see there's a, a lot of your gym mates are ambassadors for a charity Maverick Stars, and it's it's a lot of the initiative to do with knife crime. And I mean every place has these problems, and I know you do a lot of good charity work as well. But all these kids now, again, you've been just like these kids that need need boxing, need initiatives. Yeah. All this nonsense that's going on in the minute, it's it's crazy. But as I say, a lot of you. Gym mates getting behind this. No, it's a great, a great charity. Obviously, I, I've been, I know a bit about it because of just everyone else involved with the, with, in the gym uh, and their ambassadors for it. But a bit of an epidemic in knife crime in in England, especially, um, and it's something that that never really happened. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, it just even you know you go back even further in my dad's era, people weren't running about with knives. It just seems to be the easy thing to do and it seems to be a bit of a macho thing you know someone has a, a blade on them and it's not really and so sports like boxing especially working class sports football whatever you can in your community and these community groups coming together I think it's gonna it's gonna do as much as possible to alienate that and, and get it and kind of stop the epidemic because that's what it is at the minute it's sad to see young, young people having their lives ruined in a split second by a, a silly decision that someone's made and even the people that are doing it life's ruined because they get locked up for a long time and it's just a it's just a, a silly mentality to have at the minute and need to get away from that and, and charities like Maverick Sports I think are, are going to take people away from that We're near enough done here on Fight Night. Um, if you've missed any part of the show, it will be available as a podcast for you. Loads of big name guests, including former world champ George Foreman on the show a little earlier on. Tyson Fury popped in as well for a little bit of a conversation as we build up towards his fight next week in Las Vegas. Uh, this is TalkSport. I'm Adam Cattle, Nick Pete alongside me. We're going to talk UFC in a moment uh, because UFC 238 goes down in Chicago a little bit later on in the early hours of the morning if you're staying up and wanting to watch some fights. Also happening in the early hours of the morning, Triple G gets his DAZN uh, contract well and truly underway, taking on a kid by the name of Steve Rolls. Let's hope he doesn't get rolled over. Whee! <laughs> it's happening at Madison Square Garden though. And last week we saw uh, a massive upset. This yep. is Triple G. He's coming off the back of those Canelo losses. What do you think? 
Oh, we're not going to see a crazy upset again, are we? I can't see it. I'll be honest. I can't. Be, I, I literally cannot see that one. But uh, you know, I want I want to see Triple G come back. It's a weird fight because they've made it a catchweight one sixty four. Mm. So it's not a middleweight. It's not quite super middleweight. The reason they can do that, of course, is Triple not G time, doesn't yeah. have any belts anymore. Mm. But obviously, it's Triple G's first weight fight with the zone. We know what it is. It's an audition for the Canelo fight in September. If Triple G looks but, devastating well this is the weird thing if he if he looks incredibly devastating the team Canelo back off if he looks like he's got a little bit older than he was you know this sounds crazy if, if physically older than he yeah. was six months ago that's that's true that's, that's what basically happens. what happens that's, isn't that, it yeah. that's nature Nick yeah <laughs> mother nature yeah. if time hasn't stopped for Triple G and he is six months older and by that I mean six months older in boxing terms if he is it's, that it's, it's, the same, it's the same as no, normal yeah. terms <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. You know exactly what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's weird. If he looks spectacular, then the zone go great. Let's do th- number three fight. Canelo team may say no. If he doesn't look spectacular, maybe team Canelo says, "Yeah, come on, let's definitely do the third all fight." All right, then. With that, then with it being because it's one all. Let's be honest. It's one all between them, regardless of what the official official records. What said, Adelaide Bird said. And what Adelaide Bird said and yeah. robbed Triple G first time around. It's one all. Okay. With it being a catch weight at one sixty four, then mm-hmm. we'll. Uh, well, Callum Smith, have a look at this. Absolutely. Because he'll be thinking to himself, well, there's only another four pounds that you need to put put on yeah. to come and fight me at my weight, mate. Well, exactly. And I think that's why Golovkin's, Golovkin's obviously doing it because I think he's trying to send a message out to Canelo saying, you're dipping your toes both mm. ways. You've just beat Danny Jacobs at 160, but prior to that, you beat Rocky Fielding at 168. Yeah. So I'll do, I'll go 164, and whichever way you want to dance, I'll go. Yeah. And that's fine. So, and there's a Billy Joe Saunders there as well, who's uh, who seems to want that fight. He's yeah. making a lot of noise for it, isn't he? Well, there's, as you say, there's, there's there's three hungry mouths there, all waiting for Golovkin <laughs> to see which decision he goes for. And if he goes the Canelo route, then mm. we may well get Billy Joe Saunders, Callum Smith, and likewise if if Canelo goes for Billy Joe Saunders or listen the, the good thing is we've got two British guys in this equation here and hopefully both of them are in big fights and if not they fight each other mm. um, boxing wise uh, from a British point of view there's not much to uh, shout about this weekend it's all about Tyson Fury next week and as I said this show will be coming to you from Las Vegas Las Vegas Las Vegas <laughs> I was in between saying Las Vegas and Nevada at the same time Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> That's where we'll be next week. Viva Las Vegas! It's a new place. Oh, dear. Um, I want to turn our attention towards mixed martial arts just briefly before we finish the show because it's the big one tonight. It's UFC 238. It's Chicago, uh, the destination. Now, you, you might look down this card and you think, well, I don't know that guy, I don't know that guy, especially if you're not necessarily a big UFC or a big mixed martial arts fan. What I can tell you is that this could be the card of the year so far. Henry Cejudo, he's a man that has uh, lit up the flyweight division. He's beaten some stellar opposition in DJ. He's beaten TJ. Now he's taking on Marias, but in the weight category above. He's stepping up to challenge for the vacant belt. Marlon Marias is uh, the opponent that he's fa- facing tonight. He's still the flyweight champion. Uh, that's the main event. You've got a fantastic uh, undercard, which includes the comeback of uh, Tony Ferguson. I think for the majority of fight fans, that's the fight that we're all looking at, isn't it? Tony Ferguson versus Cowboy Cerrone. Absolutely. And you know who else is looking at our fight closely as well? Is, is it that guy that is probably drinking proper 12 whiskey tonight? He probably is. <laughs> drinking proper 12 is Mr. Conor McGregor. Yes, obviously Conor McGregor's talking a lot about his comeback right now. It looks like it's going to happen at the end of the year. And more than likely, it's going to be against the winner or potentially the loser the loser of this fight. Yeah, You know, this is basically a an unofficial title eliminator for the lightweight world title currently held by Khabib Nurmagomedov. 
um, who obviously fights himself in the UAE in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. But both these guys are going at it with the hope of, of, of snagging Khabib. But it could well be that the loser snags the comeback in Con- Conor McGregor, which, okay, Conor hasn't got a belt, but mm. he's the biggest pay-per-view star in sports. So... It's it's a, it's actually a bigger payday if you come out of this with a loss. But you know what? I think going into it, Tony Ferguson on his day for me is probably the best lightweight on the in the world, and I include Habib in that also. However, the like frustrating now, thing is though that the Tony and Habib fight has been made about sixty-five yes, times, exactly. and they've all fallen off through whatever reasons, injuries, and exactly. people pulling out of fights. So I've got I can't no, actually ever see that. I'm going to say, happen. have you got any confidence and maybe seeing those exactly, two settling it? Can't see it ever happening. Um, but then I wouldn't rule out Donald Cerrone there because back down at lightweight. And you know what? It's weird with Donald Cerrone because he was such a... The reason fans love him is he's a wild man. You know, he's the, he's the guy that wrestles crocodiles and dives Drink, out of planes drinks and, and drinks, you know, a case of Budweiser the day of the fight. Yeah. Like, that that's Donald Cerrone for you. But he's become a dad. He's got a son called Danger. Yeah. And since Great name. Brilliant name for a son, yeah. And since he's become a dad, He's actually become a better fighter. I don't know whether he's become a, a little bit less reckless or he's just got a little bit more to fight for now. But since his son was born, he's looked like a world-class yeah. Donald Cerrone. There has so, been, there has been a, a move back down in weight there, though, as well, to 155 from fighting up at uh, Welter, hasn't there? Yeah. So and maybe and, that's, and that's, that's his best weight division, let's be honest. But he had a failed attempt at a title push at lightweight, which is why he went up to welter. Mm. Uh, and then obviously, you know, he got starched by by uh, Darren Till and, of course, Rocky Edwards beat him as well, two British guys. So this is why he's eventually come back down to lightweight. This is his, his right weight class. However, as I say, Tony Ferguson's a tough cookie. As you say, that's the fight of the card for me. That's the one that jumps off the page. But the two title fights above it mm. are both outstanding. And of course, London's own Darren Stewart's on the undercard as well. Yeah. Looking to bounce back. As uh, if you're into your uh, British MMA, uh, Jojo's opening this up. Uh, Calder Wad is uh, opening. Of course. Uh, she's the curtain raiser, which is a little bit surprising, really, because you would think that where she is currently at in that division that if she wins, she's going to be in line for a title shot, or not, at least knocking on the door. I know that uh, the Suarez and Ansaroff fight comes a little bit after her, yeah, and they're in that mix as well. But Jojo's most certainly in the mix for knocking on the door for a shot at Shevchenko. Yeah, it's a weird one that Heron Chukagan is opening the card. I'd kind of put it down to the fact that, that this bill has actually got five women's fights on it, which is an, which is an awful lot, even for even for UFC. And I think they just tried to space the girls out a little bit rather than have a chunk of just back-to-back-to-back yeah, girl maybe. fights. I think they've got two on the prelims, uh, early prelims, two on the main prelims on ESPN and the in the US, fight. and then obviously the title fight is the co-main event. So I think she's just been the victim of, of, of planning, that's all. But you know what? For JoJo, this is the opportunity. The women's flyweight champion is in the co-main event. You are on the undercard. And the girl you are fighting on the undercard lost to the challenger. The girl who's challenging for the title yeah. on Saturday. Well, the girl she beat in her last fight, that's who JoJo's fighting. So if JoJo Calderwood can do a better job than Jessica I did on Chukagan, which got her a title shot, mm-hmm. then jo- the world's a oyster. If, if, if Calderwood can light her up on Saturday night, then she can 100% get on the microphone and say, I want to fight the winner of the title fight now because that's what the other girl just done. Mm. Regarding the title fight, I know you're a massive fan of uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, but I kind of like the the chat that is coming out from Jessica Rye this week. I've been watching a lot of the UFC embedded stuff, and she seems quite a cool, calm, collected character. She turned up for the media day in a bulletproof vest, didn't she? You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of sending a message across that. I think it'll be a proper fight. I'm with you. I think Shevchenko is much better technically, mm-hmm. but we've seen some crazy things happen in the UFC this year. We've seen some mad, mad things, and it wouldn't be as a surprise 
if Jessica Rye has her hand raised at the end of the fight? No, definitely not. As, as you say, mixed martial arts as a sport, you know, the, the old saying that if you, if you haven't got a loss on your record, you're not fighting the right people, is legit because there's, you know, 30 or 40 different ways to lose a fight. It's, it's just incredible. And right now, you're right, Jessica Rye is red hot. Valentina Shevchenko has just watched their sister uh, lose a couple of weeks ago for mm. the first time in the UFC as well. So... It, it's if you'd have thrown this fight at me eighteen months ago, I'd have laughed at you for yeah. suggesting Jessica I wins. But she's on a real hot streak right now, and you know she's in this shot at the title uh, again. I think Valentina Shevchenko was going to be flyweight champion for an awful long time, um, but I think right here, right now, in Chicago, who knows? You mm. never know. You never know. Uh, in the main event, it is Cejudo versus uh, Marias. And listen, I'm going to pay a compliment to Henry Cejudo. Don't. Just for one second. What I'm going to do is this, right? If you are a fighter that is maybe struggling for a bit of kudos, that isn't getting the fights that you want, that isn't getting paid what you want, you've got to make the audience care in one way, shape or form, whether that is care to see you get knocked out or whether that is care to see you knock somebody out. You've got to make them feel emotionally connected to you. Henry Cejudo, a year ago, if we'd have said this name on this show, you probably wouldn't have heard him. However... Since he became champion by beating Demetrius Johnson mm-hmm. last August, if I'm not mistaken. So within the last year, he has managed to manufacture this character, whether it's him, an extension of his personality or whatever, to become this proper WWE bad guy douchebag, heel pantomime villain type thing, which is winding every man and his dog up. But what it is doing, it is making people pay for pay-per-views over in the States in order to watch him, hopefully, from their point of view, get knocked out this evening yeah if he wins tonight against Marias, who by the way is no joke are we talking about a potential pound for pound number one no <laughs> wash your mouth out with he's soap adam cash flyweight champion bantamweight champion he's beaten demetrius johnson who was on an unbelievable streak he's yeah. beaten tj dillashaw yeah all right he got done for epo but forget that for a minute because he was on an unbelievable <laughs> streak and then he's taking on Marias, who everybody's saying is the second coming in this division yeah and if he beats him, you're telling me he's not in the pound-for-pound pound chat just because you don't like him? Come on! <laughs> just because he's a prat. For, any, for anyone that isn't familiar with Henry Cejudo... Uh, he's of, a gold medalist, the by the way. He's, he's, a, a gold he's an medalist. Olympic gold medalist in, in, in wrestling, yeah. Um, but you, I've got to pay a little bit of respect here. The meme you put out this week about Which who one? he is. So if you've ever seen the movie Dodgeball... Yes. So White Goodman, yeah. the leader of the Purple Cobras... That's right. Globo Gym. Played by Ben Stiller That's from it. Globo Gym, yeah. yeah in yeah. that movie. Just remember that character, and that is Henry Cejudo. <laughs> that is him. He will like have absolutely He will it. have uh, the uh, pump up, the pump action cod piece. He's 100% got that. <laughs> One million percent. <laughs> absolutely. Listen, he can fight. Obviously, of course, he can fight. He's a, he's a two weight UFC champion. Um, One weight. He's going for two weight tonight, isn't he? Well, he's, there is nobody else holds the flyweight championship. Yes. And he. Sorry, he's going for the bantam, but he's just beat the bantamweight champion, is what I'm trying to say. He has, yeah. So, uh, but, he beat, but he beat, but he beat him at flyweight. flyweight. Come on, of course. Don't, don't overreg him early doors. Okay, he's still got to do Marias tonight. Well, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully Marias <laughs> gets him done because Nick really doesn't like Henry Cejudo. He just rubs me up the wrong way. Uh, thank you very much uh, to listening to us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Like I said, this show will be available uh, on the podcast. We've had George Foreman, Tyson Fury, all the boys from next weekend's cards on this show tonight. So if you missed any of them, you can get it uh, on the podcast. Go to uh, iTunes or go to our website, talksport.com. We are going to be in Vegas all next week. You're going to hear a special show on Thursday night. Then you're going to hear another show uh, from Vegas this time next week. So make sure you come and join us. We'll catch you next time. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm. 